Hey, Derek. Wait. It's not Derek. But I can guarantee you we have the same amount of opinions <clears throat> that'll come out of Jason Crowley's mouth today as what comes out of Derek Schaefer's mouth. I got a substitute guest because Derek decided to go celebrate a year of marriage with his family in Pennsylvania. So today I, I, I asked nicely and he said yes. <laughs> I've got Jason Crowley, my racing mentor, my racing buddy, kind of helps me with my whole side of racing. We're going to talk about FTR. We're going to talk. We're actually got the computer up watching. Right now it's the WMX moto going on on Loretta Lens. Uh, first day of competition. This is episode 21. We are celebrating. I've got Diet Coke. What do you have? Water and Gatorade. Water and Gatorade. So we're really hitting it hard at, on the 21st episode of Beyond the Curve, the MX podcast. We do not have our cool banner, but I do have some flying pigs and some succulents. So Jason, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to hearing about kind of the history of you and FTR, what you feel about FTR racing, where it's gone, where it's coming to. And uh, you and your dad are the reason I'm even F- I even FTR raced. Yep. Uh, your yep. your dad introduced me. We were at a we were at a Christmas parade, and your dad and I were talking about racing. And he's like, "You ever tried racing off road? No. Why would I try that?" He's like, <laughs> "Time value of money. You get two hours of racing, and you're not waiting. You should try it one time." And lo and behold, like literally in January, I went and ran my first hair scramble in the beginner class at Polk City. Yep, I remember that. Yep. yep. So. <clears throat> Thank you again for joining me. Thank you. Before we get too far in, um, last week we uh, interviewed Ryland Munson, a privateer. Uh, We got a chance to go up and visit. He raced uh, the GCI, or sorry, CGI up in South Carolina. It was supposed to be a uh, under-the-lights race. And due to weather, it's Florida and South Carolina and Southeast in the summertime, they raced the night race the next morning Mm -hmm. or next day. He actually raced 250A and Open A. And led all 30 laps of the motos. Yeah. So, congratulations, Ryland. Privateer life. Yeah. You know, where there's money to be made, you go make the money. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he's he did that. Also, we're watching Loretta Lens. Um, I know you have some strong opinions on Loretta Lens, so I actually want to get into those because <laughs> we saw some cost of what it cost to get there go there yeah that was posted the other day on facebook yeah, yeah. so we're going to talk we're going to run through real quick the florida riders actually a wmx is racing they just had 25 plus so i i don't have all the results i've got everything they've done so far today vet vet 30 dustin jensen from okeechobee finished third congratulations podium and a loretta lens i think that that's cool like mm-hmm. you get a podium that's awesome uh kenny henry from parish got sixth Michael Clark from Palm Harbor got 19th, and Michael Carter from Tallahassee got 28th. 450B, which we're starting to get in some quick rider. 450B. Tommy Calloway from Dade City got 13th. Uh, Brody Sloan from Homosassa, 36th. Josh Clark and Sage Lewis both DNF'd. So I don't know if there's crashes. It's, it's Loretta's. Stuff breaks. By the way, if you see a dog, that's Roxy. <laughs> Um, 125C, Dawson Baker from LaBelle got 16th. Then you had Leland Pfeiffer from Brooksville, 24th. Jack Mabe from Palm City, um, 35th, up uh, 33rd. And Noah Swanson from Pace, 36. 85, we're getting to the young ones, 10 to 12. Tace Morgan finished 5th from Claremont. That's good. Top 5. Chase uh, Moynihan from Jacksonville, 28th. 
The little kids, not the littlest of little, but the little kids, 65, 79 limited. Thor Thrasher. What a name, Thor Thrasher. Very, like, very violent, but strong very, name. Yes, very, <laughs> from Orlando, got 10th. Uh, uh, Nolan Cobb from Palm Harbor, Harbor, 18th. Carter Holmes, Middleburg, 25th. Gavin Wilson from Orlando, 41st. Senior, 40. This is us. Or you, or well, me, me. <laughs> but this was this was a beast of a race. Ben Riddle from Wildwood got ninth, so it was good to see him back, back riding again. Speaking of him, I watched uh, Chris Cooksey's podcast with him, interviewed the other day, that he did while Riddle. They just got up there, and he actually shed a lot of uh, about his recovery and stuff. Well, financial stuff mm. about being at Loretta's and what. Being a top amateur pays versus actually being pro. Um, it was actually very a very good podcast that shed. What what podcast is it? Cook, what's it called? Cooksey Media. Cooksey Media. Yeah, it's Chris Chris Cooksey that actually. He's got some of those. Uh, he's very controversial, yes. but he he's kind of like me. He speaks his mind, and he doesn't really care what's said and how people take it. You either like it or you don't, and if you don't. The hell with you, <laughs> and, and, and if you don't know the story of Ben Riddle, go search it. We're, we don't have time to discuss it here, but he, he was one of the top guys and yeah. had a little bit of a, a problem. Yeah, and which he goes into. It was like a 30, 40 minute podcast, cool. but it's kind of it covers all that from his amateur days up to him turning pro, what happened, so on, so on, so on. Um, it was actually a very good and like informative podcast instead of just a bunch of. Fluff of oh well you know this sponsor yeah. it wasn't any of that crap it was actually this was what happened this is what what I did wrong this is why I did this and I mean he was very open and honest about it oh I don't know whose dog that is I don't know either we got a he sorry came, we, he came out of mic <laughs> well sorry guys we have a we have a stray dog roaming the back forty uh, but yeah so in two weeks time period we've had. Uh, Coach Rob mentioned on our podcast, who is a lightning bolt for controversy these days, we've had Chris Cooksey, and I'm seated beside Mr. Florida <laughs> FTR controversy himself. On that same senior 40-plus, we had Michael Stence, uh, Stevenson from Bonifay, 13th, Donald Letty from Oxford, 16th, Jesse Ballard, J.B. Ballard, finished 22nd, and Tony Padone from Parkland, 37th, I think. Um, Me and Ballard actually rode for the same dealership. Really? Yeah, when I was at the top of my heyday, he rode for the motocross side. And okay. I rode for the hair scramble side. Okay. And, uh, I mean, heck, he's up there. I think he was, I think he's actually going because he wanted to see his kids, show his kids mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And you can't look at results at these and think that they're doing it for a different reason. I mean, Ben LeMay was one, got the whole shot in the plus 25 and ended up finishing fourth. And, yeah. like, it's, it, you just don't know. Ben LeMay is a a couple years out of being a pro rider. Yeah. So, um, mini, soon, mini senior, 13 through 15. Jonathan Getz from Old Town, second. Awesome. Getting on the box. Brandon Ede from Claremont, ninth. Jace Baker from Groveland, 21st. Is that the same? Is he related to Baker's? Or? Oh, I have no uh, idea. Most of these names, I, I... I figure there's a couple you probably know. Carson Wood, who's... Uh, I don't know if he's a future MX or a HBI guy, but he finished 42nd, so obviously something happened. 450C, which 
I know you got opinions on even being a sea rider and going to Loretta's, <laughs> but uh, Jared Cannon, Daytona Beach, 11th, and then Noah Burnett, Burnett from Lakeland, the local guy, mm-hmm. DNF'd. Open Pro Sport, Evan Ferry, 9th on a gas gas, but I thought he was somehow related to Triumph. Oh, I have no idea. You're, so on the motocross side, you're up to date. On the off-road side, I'm more up to date. <laughs> but uh, Evan Ferry finished ninth uh, in Open Pro Sport. Matty Jorgensen Jr. from Pompano Beach, 13th. Tyler Molette from Stewart, 17th. 250B Limited, only one guy from Florida in the race. Zamir Darrell from St. Cloud, DNF'd. 65, 10 to 11 Limited, so these are little guys. Brayton Craiglow from Panama City, 5th. Awesome top 10. Brody Bercher from... Monteverde, 13th. Austin Keller from Orlando, 18th. Christian Tursky from Sefner, 28th. Mini Senior 1. They have way too many classes now. <laughs> 12 to 14. Jonathan Getz got a second again. Carson Wood got an 8th, so now we're seeing what he can actually do. Brandon Ede from Claremont, 19th. Jace Baker from Groveland, DNS, so I don't know what happened because they're not even start. And then Master 50. This is also my class. James Nagy from Deland, 31st. That would be, I would be, if I went there at 50 plus and I finished 31st, I'd be pretty content. Yeah. I mean. I mean, honestly, if you made a lap, you'd be content. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you look, if you look at this track. It's, it is beat to hell. Like, it is not, it does not look fun. I can only imagine what it looked like at 730 this morning when the first motos went out. Yeah. And now. There's nothing smooth. There's nothing smooth on yeah. this track. Like, there's braking bumps in acceleration areas. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I watched. Oh boy. And we're unplugged. <laughs> I watched the copper. We're really unplugged. <laughs> like the sight laps they were doing yesterday with Bradshaw and um, I can't remember the other pro that were yeah. escorting each class. And like the track didn't. The track looked fairly mellow and fun. Yeah. But as you can tell, it's. As it breaks down during yeah. the day. Like, we're towards the end of the day, and it is just yeah. broken down. Um, 250B was a, actually a good moto. Casey Cochran from Claremont, which he's only – I don't know if he's actually only from Claremont because he trains Train with there. Alden Baker. But uh, he was first, which takes me to the whole, are you pro or amateur? I'm kind of confused. Like, Logan Best, who was one of Coach Rob's riders for a couple years, finished eight. Sage Lewis from Destin, 30th. And then Zamir Darrell from St. Cloud, again, 40th. That dude is having a rough go of it. Can you imagine you go all the way up there and you got a DNF and a 40th? Yeah. And your first two motos of the week. Like, that's... Yeah, you're done. Well, and then and that brings up a lot of other... We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm, I'm, I'm game for it. And then the last moto that I got to write results down on was 125 Junior BC. Another powerful name, Thor Powell. From Jacksonville, so that's two Thors from Florida. Like, yeah. where, where did, when did these names start becoming prominent? Thor. Like, do you like the gear? Do you like the cartoon character? Like, he finished eleventh, by yeah. the way. So, but that's all the results of everything. Obviously, our next podcast will be after Loretta, so we'll probably run down like overalls of Florida Florida guys. Um, I don't know the women right now. Hannah Hodges is in fourth. Yeah, uh, Stallings. Turner, Phelps, Hodges, Skell, Sheltima, Contreras. She came out Filick? of Yeah, she came out of retirement. Ashley Filick yeah. running. And uh, so it's it's good good riding, but like that tells you, like Ashley Filick, like, there's some good women out there. And yeah. Filick was 
running for years. I mean, she was one of the top pros, women yeah, pros. I guess she still teaches and trains, mm -hmm. and that's what she does. But, I mean, theoretically, you know, most of these girls have been racing nonstop. They're yep. younger than her. But she, I mean, she rides, but she doesn't train professionally like she did. Yeah, but there's a difference she's riding on, and racing. She's been on the couch and comes back, and she's running seventh, seventh. and all these other girls are, you know, training year-round. Yeah. It's like, well, obviously, she has, in my opinion, she has way more talent than the rest of them to come off the couch and be running seventh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Seat time, seat time is one thing. Race time is a completely yeah. different thing. But the whole reason I invited Jason tonight was I wanted to talk about FTR his history in FTR and kind of what that he's got a young son that rides um, and what that kind of means because Jason was a very good younger rider. His dad was, has been involved in FTR when they raced wooden wheels. I'm just kidding, but <laughs> close to it. Yeah. I mean, the bikes had no suspension travel. It was like mono shocks and all that mm. stuff. And so I kind of wanted to get in and I also want his <clears throat> opinions. I mean, the the one thing that we try not to we try not to be controversial but we also won't shy away from stuff so one do you want to start with loretta lens or do you want to start with ftr and what what you guys started as wherever you want to start you just start asking questions and i'll start answering <laughs> we right. obviously know our conversations can start from lake wells florida and go all the way up to South Carolina, and we don't run out of anything to talk about. That's true. Jason so. and I, we, we went to South Carolina, Alabama. And by the way, we are great tourists. Um, when we went to do a couple of the Enduros, we would kill an entire day sightseeing. And um, so opinions, seeing stuff, it doesn't have to be just racing, but that's kind of what we enjoy. So Jason Crowley, the racer, you're in your 30s now. 38. 38. When did this start for you? Uh, I was eight years old. Yeah. It start, well, I started riding when I was eight. Um, I was born in 85, so my dad, his last race was somewhere in the early 80s. I don't know the exact year. Uh, it was one of the last original races at River Ranch before they took a big break. He crashed uh, first turn with another rider did something to himself where he had to sleep on a wooden floor for several weeks. Um, my mom said, you're done. Or you keep doing this, we're getting divorced because I'm not raising this kid alone. Um, <laughs> so he stopped racing. And then when I was eight, several of the guys at uh, the fire department started riding again. And obviously he was like, he got the itch again. So then he kind of started poking me hey, wouldn't it be cool to have a dirt bike? And he found one, uh, just a rundown PW that somebody had, and he took it to uh, Tom Bragg in Avon Park. He rebuilt it, and then... Was I, that the guy that used to have the cycle <clears throat> shop right there on 27? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was a great... I miss those local shops like that. Yeah. Um, so then I just started riding a little bit, and it just kind of escalated from there. He started riding again, and that was... Oh, let's see. Started racing FTR in '95 ish, so this was '93, '94, somewhere in there is when this all transpired. Something. If you if you hear any background noise, we have a new neighbor, and they have an airboat, and they like to test it in their yard. <laughs> so, apologize for for the background noise, but so 
when you started riding, was it off-road? Did you go to motocross? Was it, no, we're only doing off-road? How, how did it start for you? Um, so the PW we got was just to ease me into it. At the time, obviously, I was eight. I was bigger than Gunner was. So that's pretty big for a P-Dub. Yeah. So basically he got that just so to see if I even had the coordination to even do this. I, obviously I could ride a bicycle fine. Um, so I was too big for it. We had it rebuilt, which helped a little bit. Um, I raced a couple motocross races on it just to kind of, Hey, do I want to do this or not? Yeah. Um, and then right after that, I updated to a 1987 KDX80, which is basically like an off-road version of a KX80 in that year range. Um, I rode it until I got accustomed to shifting gears and using a clutch and all that. And then my dad bought a, a brand new 1994 RM80. And then I rode it for... One, two, three, three, three or four seasons, something like that. So one of the things that's cool about Jason is he's not afraid to ride every brand of bikes. And you're now learning in the first three years of him riding, he had a Yamaha, he had a Kawasaki, yep. and he had a Suzuki. Yep. Right. So I know some of us get that brand loyal stuff, but you're kind of, hey, whatever, whatever they're getting me, I'm going to ride. Yeah. I mean, and, the last three years me owning bikes has been a prime example as of right now i've owned and ridden every brand and every size of bike that's been made and i've done most of that in the last three years well we got to get you on a tm and a sherco and a beta still yeah they're overpriced <laughs> even more than some of the others so when you first started learning you did a couple motocross were you drawn to the off-road or were you just kind of um, like that's just the direction the family went I don't remember exact. So my dad obviously started racing FTR in 77, 78, somewhere in there. So right after its first yeah. inception. Um, he always did that. He did ride some motocross when he was younger. And what did FTR start out as? Was it just Enduros? It started off as Enduros and ran as Enduros for, I want to say a year or two or something like that. And then they got into the hair scrambles. I don't okay. know, like who came up with, hey, let's try yeah. this type thing. But, and then it just escalated to what it is today. But we, so he took his break. I started riding a little bit. When I started riding, he also got a bike, started racing motocross because the group at the fire department, that's what they all did. Um, How'd mom feel about that? With dad starting back and you honestly i really don't remember those okay. well, i wasn't privy to those conversations <laughs> <laughs> um i do remember i want to say our jump back into ftr was i didn't have my rm80 yet so it wasn't 94 it was before then they had a just a a, a play race at a piece of property somewhere near the airport it wasn't where we raced at before. I know I can remember that, um, but it was just kind of like a fun run type deal. We went to that with uh, two of the brothers that my dad grew up racing with way back when. 
And then I want to say right after that's when we got back in the FTR. Okay. Which was the start of 90, 94, 90, so somewhere in there <clears throat> is when we started. Now, were you old enough, Roxy, were you old <laughs> enough to have riding heroes? Like, did you like racing? Like, you, you, or was it just, did you play baseball or soccer or anything else? Or was it just motorsports? Um, I tried T-ball. <laughs> I, I didn't really care for that. I've never actually cared for organized sports. Um, I care more just individual stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's just one of them. I, I really don't remember specifically. I just gave me a dirt bike. I got on it, and I just kind of you haven't went to off. it. Uh, yeah, I just kind of <laughs> went to it like a duck in water. Like it just... It made sense, so I did it, and it just kind of escalated. Yeah. And like, once I actually started riding, and knew what was going on and stuff, like, because back then, like, Jeremy McGrath was God, so obviously, you know, I liked him, and yeah. I, you know, so that's kind of the error, the golden error I grew up in, which okay. I wish life was still like that, but <laughs> them hey. days are gone. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so you get you get going, you get into FTR. What was your what was your progression like through? Because now we see like the little kids race for an hour. I think it's an hour and a half on the big track mm -hmm. once they get to 65s. And yeah. was it the same for you guys? Was there such a thing as a peewee? Or I guess you were too old for that. Like, yeah, how, how did I, didn't, that I never raced peewees. Um, Roxy. Peewees came about, they were going on, I believe, when I started. Okay. I don't really remember because I don't remember. I never really watched them. Yeah, they were around. They were just starting the Pee Wee program. Um, so back then, obviously, there was a lot less riders. So things were done a little bit differently. If I'm not mistaken, Minis rode last on Saturday. Okay. So you had like. You still had Vintage, uh, Super Vintage, which is Evo today. Um, beginner, you had two different beginner classes and a couple other classes. And then you had your quads and then you had your minis. If I'm not mistaken, we raced last on Saturday. And then, but it was still, it was still an hour and a half for us, which back then, still like today for you know, most of the kids starting out equated to two laps yeah. type thing. Um, but also back then, it was an hour and a half, but depending on the track length and how technical, they allowed us to vote on how many laps we wanted. Sometimes it was done at the riders meeting. Sometimes it was done on the race line. Um, Wait, so they'd be like, what are you guys feeling today? And Pretty much. Really? Yep. Or, and, you know, if we showed up and it was, I remember uh, there was one, it was my first season racing FTR. One race we went to, it was just, the property was soaked, muddy. Uh, it was actually a very sandy piece of property. It was just a very challenging piece, especially for a newer mini rider. And they were like, look, it's going to take y'all X amount of time just to do one lap most of y'all are only going to be able to do one in the allotted amount of time, which was an hour and a half. So like 
like for mini a i think like mini a they sent like okay y'all got two which back then was garrett uh, uh garrett edmonston brandon mcafee or brandon coffee uh and then like mini b which back then it was mini b mini a and just 65. okay so there was three of us um mini a two laps y'all one lap and that that was that was it so you go out there do your one lap and yeah you were done for today you know <clears throat> my baby but uh when did you stop so there already are some differences from when you started to current <laughs> you gunner had just started getting to the point that he was going out looking for the adult course or the big course mm. off of peewees as someone who had raced as a youngster to now, what do the courses look like compared to what you used to race on? I know everything, we were tougher, harder, faster, but <laughs> in seriousness, what did the courses look like for the peewee, I'm uh, sorry, the mini kids back then to what they look like now? Um, I would say in general, just a general statement, the, the courses today are easier than what we rode back then. Back then, you know, pretty much they'd stick an arrow on a tree and they might go in and do some trimming or whatever and you just went. Now they go through and they bush hog or they do this or they do that. So it's, in my opinion, a lot of stuff is tamed down. Okay. Like now if it, if it rains and gets too muddy in a spot, they'll do, they'll reroute or they'll do the, like back then that didn't, that didn't happen. Like if they, if they rerouted something, it was literally like, if you went six inches into it, you were done. Like it was, it was legit impassable period. You couldn't walk through it. You couldn't ride through it. Nothing. If it was walkable or rideable, you went through it. Nowadays it's been tamed way, way down. And what's the, what do you think the, and I'm only asking because I enjoy the rideable tracks. We've had a couple that were like, okay, this is a test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is, not going to lie, kind of fun to be able, because I remember when I first started, which was way later, almost in the 2000s, that there were a couple, you're like, if I get through this, I am so excited. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's like, if I don't get through something now on today's tracks, I'm kind of like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, is one better than the other? Um, are we looking for a masculinity contest? Or are we looking for? And I'm I'm truly curious. No, I just think it's been watered down severely, at least in Florida, because like us going out of state, and even run like. So like the way some of the enduros are in Florida that we've run the way they do some of the tracks where they may have went through and did a little bit, but they haven't messed with it a whole lot. That was more what the hair scrambles were like back then. I do remember more face slappers back in the day. Yeah. You used to have stuff, you come around a corner and you're like, oh, good Lord. Yeah. Like you don't see that much. Like anymore. now, you know, like uh, the watermelon farm. Mm -hmm. There's one bad palmetto section on that piece of property that in general they put every through, everybody through every year. Most, the guys that have been around don't bitch about it because they know. Yeah. 
back in the day, you went to tracks where the entire track was like that. So there at that property, you have, say, a 100-foot-long section. That It's not that bad. You just go through it, yeah. and as long as you're moving, you're fine. And they whine and they cry about it. Go ride 40 miles of that. Yeah. Then you have a reason to bitch. The, like, only, the only thing I have in comparison is the one year, I think two years, I did GNCC at River Ranch. And they went under the bridge, yeah. and there was... You had that one, oh was a one-mile second. Yeah. yeah. And it if, was straight yeah, palmettos. If, yep. if you made that, you were good. Yeah. Because yep. it was, I, yes, it was sand whoops all over the place, but there was literally a mile section of just hang on. And all the yep. northerners like, what are you doing? Like, it's like riding dry rocks. Yep. Just hit it and go. Yep. Like, don't let out the gas and go. But I can't imagine doing that for the, the whole expanse of a race. We don't see that anymore. Like, I think the watermelon farm has pretty couple good sections where they turn you in and out. But we don't see that. But is that also, there's a change in the courses. There are different types of obstacles. Maybe we're going faster and you're getting to stuff faster than you used to? Yes. That, to me, everything has evolved around the evolution of motorcycles. So, you know, it back in the day when... They didn't have any suspension. They just rode, and whatever was there was there, which in general was rougher. And then as they've gotten suspension, they've changed things a little bit. And then as bikes have evolved, the tracks have, in essence, opened up more because the bike can go faster, so the track's faster. Yeah. Which they mellow it down to where it say I. It's all a hodgepodge of stuff and pieces that you put together, and it's. I think the the evolution of where the bikes are today have helped the sport, but killed the sport, okay. in the same way. Hey, question for you: If one of these nine clubs in the FTR, I think there's nine, maybe there's ten, I'm not sure. The the clubs that are in FTR, mm-hmm. if they took one of the existing piece of property and built. A 1995 hair scramble. Would <laughs> would riders enjoy it? The real riders would. But the guys that are coming out to not let's the 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 old school one percent of FTR that have been around would enjoy it. The rest would not. But who are we catering to? Are we catering to that one percent, or are we catering to? That brings nine, up a whole nother. <laughs> but do you, but do you, do you know what I mean? They're like yeah. But maybe. Like, you and I have been out of state, and there's other riders that race FTR that also go out of state, and they see different things. Like, we don't have to get into it, but you, I went to Sorks a couple times, mm-hmm. and I've done some of that, and I've done some Mideast. Mm-hmm. And the Mideast is basically the junior version of GNCC. You go to a GNCC now, it's it's wide. Yeah. Also, they've run a lot of the same properties. There's only so many places you can yeah. put things. Those tracks now, it's three hours of sprint time. Yeah. Or or for old men, it's two hours of sprint time. You go to a Mideast, there's still sections where this is the quad trail, this is the... You go to a Sorks race, there's no quads. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait, is this a hair scramble or an enduro? And I will tell you, the first time I went to a Sorks race, there's guys bailing off over here. I'm like, here's the track. Oh, wait. The track can go over here. Yeah. Maybe it would be fun to see one of those races in Florida because well we have sugar sand we get mud like it poured it poured here there were puddles out there it's now sugar sand we can go walk and probably find dry earth 
Yeah, I mean, we've had uh, right at six, seven inches in the last two days. Yeah. Which is, well, that's not counting today. That's last night and night before. So it might actually be pretty decent. If good, it'll Good writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we could go cut a track in here and make different lines, and you could go over six inches. You might hit a stump. Yeah. But you also might find a line that's completely smooth. And I just sometimes wonder if maybe not a whole track, maybe a section. Um that enduro, the last enduro we did, where they literally just cut the they they just cut a line, and it was like you ran this, you ran this, and there was a beat in path. The last section, it was we put up arrows. Oh, uh, the, the very old, la- yeah, the old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they didn't do the whole enduro that yeah. way. But what happened? How cool would it be? Because FTR, you and I each got our own section. I cut mine. Okay, we're going around each tree, and we're weaving. You go and you're like, oh, there's a section of woods. There's an arrow, there's an arrow. I want you to come through, and we're just going to chop a path. I think it would be cool to have a section like that. I think uh, I think Brooksville sometimes does that, and some yeah. of theirs. They did a couple just new sections this yeah. year. Um, but I, what do you think about something like that? I mean, I, I understand that, like, with some of these properties and some of the clubs, like, in order to get from point A to point B, you have no option but to go through here, which equates to... We have to mow this down. Yeah. I get that 100%. I understand that. Same thing like when your property was completely wooded. If you wanted to go to that point, you either went all the way around this way yeah. or you ha- it was a pain to get through. So I get that. I think it would be easier for track layout if they just did stuff like that. Quit, <laughs> Quit catering to the masses. Catering to the masses has put FTR in the shape that it's in today. The masses are not what you want. You want the quality and the decent people. Catering to the masses, you start having an influx of stuff you don't want. Yeah. Well, if you make everything just simple, everybody and their brother shows up. You make everything hard, only the real men stay standing. The rest of them, they go away. Yeah. Speaking of the real men versus... When you guys started FTR mm-hmm. versus now, and this could be when you started amateur motocross to amateur motocross now, what do the pits look like versus when you started and with your dad in the 90s to you and your parents going mm-hmm. to the race now, what does that look like? So when my dad started in the 70s, pretty much everybody was in a pickup truck. You had the occasional people that had a van. If they had a van, they had money. If they had a motorhome, they were they were either legit or they had a lot of money. And it pretty much stayed that way until he stopped when he got hurt. Then when we came back, uh, obviously you still have people in pickup trucks. Enclosed trailers were kind of starting to come around. You had vans, a couple motorhomes here and there, but it was just, you know, classy, stuff like that. Uh, box vans, you would see them. The if you were cool and had money, you had a box van, or if you know you were a factory guy or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, box trucks are. I mean, that's the thing. I yeah. guess that was the thing. And uh, as a kid, I wanted I wanted a box van. I still actually I'd take one. Today. As a as a thirty year old well, as a thirty year old guy starting out, yeah, we were in the pickup truck. Yeah. I will tell you, as a thirty year old, I was looking at box trucks like oh. Man, we get a box truck. We can sleep in it. We got the, 
I was 30 years old. No one was ever going to do anything for me. Yeah. And as a beginner, I was like, we got to get a box truck. Yeah. we got to get a box truck. Yeah. Well, we started out, so my dad's black pickup that he's had since new, since 1988, that's what we started out in. Which still runs and can make my property in two-wheel drive, which is yes. amazing. Still has it and still <laughs> running. Like, it's still the original, original motor, original transmission, original clutch. Never, it's had plugs, I think, one time. Like, it's still. It's nuts. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, me, him, and my mom, me in the middle of that thing. No way. Yep. Uh, With that's two what, bikes? Yep. And all the gear? Yep. That's what we started <laughs> in. And then, when we started racing FTR, my dad had bought my mom a Ford Econoline van. So, we had that. And then, we bought a 6x10 enclosed trailer from Don Thrasher who owned, I can't remember the name of the company, or the trailer dealer, but he had a trailer dealer, and that's what he did. Bought it from him. Um, I so, if he's li- related to the Thor Thrasher. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't think he had any kids, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so we, that's what we started with. So, I mean, we, we kind of jumped in and had some stuff to start with. Just but to you were it. almost factory with a van and a trailer? I don't know. Dude, <laughs> dude, that's that's big time. Yeah. Um, so that's what we started with, and that's what kind of everybody had. More people stayed at hotels, stuff like that. Um, it was nothing like it is today. And today, am I wrong in saying, if you were to take a drone shot of a standard FTR weekend, it would look like a mini motocross national? Yes. The people, the equipment? Yes. The rigs, I mean, there are guys coming in $500,000 motorhomes mm-hmm. with 40-foot trailers behind mm-hmm. them. Yep. And that's where with we've one, gone With to. one PW50 or yes. something, something <laughs> like that, it's like... Yeah. They race on Saturday morning, and they're done, and they go home. Yeah. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. But I, I, I understand that. and But I also... We were talking to racers, and you know what? If you're going to be there all weekend... Where else can you go in the state of Florida and camp for twenty dollars for yeah. a weekend? Yeah, and it is—it's twenty dollars to get in, but the gas money to get there and the maintenance on a motorhome is way more. Than right. You're right, <laughs> but if I take that same motorhome and I go to St. Augustine and I'm on the beach, I'm still going to have the maintenance. Yeah. If you do all that with it, yeah. The greatest thing I think, and this is the one thing you and I both agree on, is the family time. Yeah. Of being at those events. I see you walking around with Gunner and Mindy walking around with Gunner. Some of my favorite times I walk around with Michelle and we just go look at stuff. Yeah. And it's a safe environment. Yes, we'll get into the, but it's a, you're in an enclosed area. Yeah. And you're there and everybody there has the same goal that you have. So it's, it's a, it's a like-minded group of people. In theory. And I don't care, <laughs> and I don't care if you go to an FTR race or you go to mini O's. There's people running around in golf carts. There's people running around mini bikes. There's people. You're gonna have that, yeah, that thing. But this FTR group, you go to an FTR race, and people are like, "Oh, FTR, what is that?" It's like, can I send you a video? Yeah. I don't think people actually understand. Like when no, you tell people don't. you race off-road motorcycle, they think you're a willy boy here in Highland exactly. Manor. Yep. And we're not. We're not. Yeah. We actually. I've got to where I just say, "Yeah, I race motocross," or what? Like it's just easier than trying to explain 
what we do to just some random yeah. person. It's just easier. And no, we don't. We, we don't do. If we do backflips, it's by accident. <laughs> it's not on purpose. But we race off road, and it's hard to explain. It is hard to tell people what you do. But uh, when did you have your first success? What? Wh where was that? Um. So, like I said, only race a PW50 a couple of times on motocross. Did you win your first race? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been my. My first race, I've been a set of handlebars. Honestly, racing a PW50 those couple times, that's the only time I've ever been beat by a girl in the same class. <laughs> um, so I did a couple races of PW50. I want to say I did a couple races on... I did one race on that KDX80, one motocross race, and may have did a couple on RM80 just, just to do it. Um, I did, I want to say, two seasons... So, like I said, they have Mini A, Mini B, and then 65. I did two seasons in Mini B. In between season two and season three, our friend that grew up racing <clears throat> with my dad, they were from Avon Park. He was board of directors of one of the positions in FTR, and... Mini A back then, I mean, realistically, you had two to three in Mini A. You had Garrett, Brandon, and then occasionally a third rider. But Mini B continued to grow. 65 continued to grow. So I pitched the idea to him, like, well, what about coming up with a Mini C? And he, <laughs> when I pitched the idea to him, he was like, before we go any further, is this for you to... Create a class that you will win. And I'm like, no, that's not. Because back then, you know, on average, I want to say there was probably around 15 to 20 of us a race. Yeah, before we go any further, FTR now, we're getting 1,000 or over per race. Yes. What was a race weekend for FTR? Five, say 500. Yeah, so we've doubled. Five, 500, 600 on a big event. Yeah. So I'd say probably four to five on average. Okay, and now we're over a thousand. So basically, yeah. So basically, what on average we would have on Saturday and just rider total yeah. now is what you would have for the whole weekend. Yeah. Um, so that's the I want people to understand like that. That's the difference in the growth of. Yeah. So on a weekend, there was only two guys or three guys in a class, and that wasn't because the class was weak. That there just weren't there that's weren't as many was. people. Yeah. Yeah. So. That there is a massive difference in that growth, and we're going to touch on that growth. But okay, keep going. So um, you you wanted you're a little kid, and you're already so this is the politicking you started early for you. In theory, you were a little yeah. kid. Yeah. Ah, so why are we starting mini so, C? So I saw I saw a need because like there the class was very. You had the front half, the middle half, the back half. The back half was there was a big big difference. I was in that back half. So if there was 20 riders, I was somewhere between normally 17 and 20. I was somewhere in there. So I pitched the idea. I'm like, well, what about making a mini C? And pretty much the back half of that class is what starts mini C. Yeah. And he asked, you know, well, is this? And I'm like, cause especially at the time, I'm like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm still going to be an 85C. Yeah. I'm just going to be. Because my first season, like, I'm next to last. I never finished last. 
I was normally next to last or second or third. Like I was back there. I've been there. My it's my okay. second season in Mini B, I uh, my best finish was like an eighth or a ninth out of you know just say twenty right something yeah. like that. Which was back then was like oh I broke top ten. You know I did good. I am the shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I felt great. I want sprinkles on my ice cream. Yeah. Um, my other finishes, you know, we're still for, say 15th, you know, so yeah, I improved a little bit. So he pitched it, obviously it got approved and sure enough, I came out and won the class, <laughs> which was not the, uh, the intention of what I was proposing. I ended up, I've got five first, five second, and a third and a fourth. So did you get booted? Yes. Problem was, so during that time, you know, obviously I started when I was eight years old on PW50. I was too big for it. Went to a KDX80, which was... Hey, what class would that run in? I mean, it was a two-stroke. It was oh, just okay. an air-cooled two-stroke drum brake 80. Um, it was kind of size-wise. It was in between the, the size height-wise of a 60 and a traditional 80. Okay. So a little bit lower seat height. Um so I got onto it, I fit it, and then I got RM80, which I could kind of tippy-toe when I got onto it. Must have felt like a rocket ship, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the first time I went and rode with a group of friends, um, I did something stupid, and visor ripped off, tire marks don't like, I, I, I screwed up. <laughs> I learned real quick how much power it had. Uh, You're like, wait a second, I was on an 80. I was on an 80. And you realize it's like two different animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, So by the time I got to Mini C, I was full-grown, touching flat-footed 80 rider. Like, So during that season, I was still growing. And during the season, I actually, my dad, so that was 90, 97, 98 season. So during that season, my dad had bought me a brand new 1998 RM125, which I could tiptoe on at that time. So if I'm big enough to tiptoe on a 125, I'm definitely too big for an 80. But obviously, because I'm winning the class, you're not going to pull me off the bike. Um, Are you just hanging off the back of this 80? Pretty much. That season was uh, the year that just florida flooded mm. for an entire year so every race except for one and even that race had a few mud sections every race was a mud race every one um with that and me being as big as i was it was definitely a big advantage because you were like a tractor yep and everybody <laughs> else was falling and couldn't get their bike out i just stepped off and grabbed a bike and moved it um i actually during that season you know who Scott Summers is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Rode the XR600. Yeah. His signature thing was he could take that 600 and pick it up. I actually, during that season, got to where I could grab that RM80 and cradle it and pick that RM80 up off the ground. Well, that came in handy during that season. So that kind of gives you a perspective yeah. of how big I was on this 80. I wasn't a typical 80 rider. And it's a mud. And ride. the class they made for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it it, it definitely. How that uh, feel getting your your jacket at the end of the season? I mean, it, like back, I didn't know. Like it, 
you were trying to do good. It had a consequence that yeah. you didn't know. I mean, you were... I like I won the class and it was cool, but it was like looking back, I like I don't remember. Yeah, like being excited. Like I was, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't like a big deal. I guess yeah. I don't know. It, it happened, but that's also. You started riding. You get this bike. You get this bike. You get this bike, and all of a sudden, like you fit this bike, and you're like, "Oh, all the skills, I, skills I've yeah. learned, I can now use because I can actually yeah use them." And it it was like honestly, it was an overnight thing, because I so two seasons of Mini B did whatever they created Mini C. So during that summer, I went to one of the riding schools at Dade City, same as you. My dad just took me up there just. But just, you probably got to ride with the kids your age. I had to ride with the kids. True. <laughs> I was a kid. You were an adult yes, riding with 12-year-olds. Yes, yes. Um, I went to the class, rode to class, went, was it the next weekend? I want to say the next weekend they had a just a fun race, just like a little GP type hair scramble deal down at uh, County Line Raceway in Ona. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, I missed that track. That was, yep. that was a sand beast. Went down there and finished third. I was like, okay. And then come out, went to class. And Mini C. I was like, and that's when it kind of. So did you, did you go to Mini B or did you go straight to 125? No, I went straight to Junior B the next okay. year. So I went from Mini C on 80 to Junior B because there was no Junior C on 125 the next year. Oh, the dogs are going for a walk. With, with the guest walker. Yep. Gunner. Hopefully your wife is behind them. Because <laughs> they ain't going to listen to him. <laughs> Sorry, guys. This We don't do many things out here on our porch, but it's when the family's here, they're all excited. They're going for a walk, and it's something we do every day. So, hi, Gunner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there she is. And we're watching currently College 1824. Pascal is leading. So, all right, continuing on with the FTR history and you go to Junior B. Yep. Which back then. So are you on 85 still? No, 125. 125. Back okay. then you had Junior A, Junior B, which raced in the morning race. Okay. On Sunday morning. Okay. With the old folk. Yes. Okay. Yep. And back then everything was 10 year increments. So you had. Mm, what do you think about that? Why, why do, do you, I know you've got an opinion on this. <laughs> I'm with you on this one. What what happened? We have so many classes. We created classes and made changes, in my opinion. Not all of them, but there's been, in my opinion, and from what I've seen, a lot of stuff was created to cater to a lot of groups and a lot of people. They were in this class. There was no way they could win a class. There was enough participation to where they could create a class, and they knew they would win. So classes were created. Now, I understand as riders get older, things change. Riders, I get that, and I do agree with that at a certain point. Okay, let's break it up a little bit. But then also at a certain point, it's like, all right, you're 70 years old. You're still able to ride. Congratulations. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Like, let's let's quit worrying about chasing championships. Set. Like, at that point, you should know better. I've been in the sport now. It took me 19 years to win a race. 19 years. I haven't raced that long, but I've been racing, let's say, 13 years? Yeah, 30 years. Here. Oh, I guess that dog's still out. Um, 
what how many I've never won a class mm-hmm. I've never ever ever won a class you've raced for how many years 30 how many classes have you won championship yeah one one yep. and that's all but you keep going well I've only won one because growing up the way the way I was raised and a lot of the other FTR kids were raised that some are still around today. We didn't sit in classes in Sam Magum. When we, so like I won mini C, I went to junior B. I rode one year in junior B. I think I finished, was it fourth or fifth overall for the year? Something, something like that, which first year on a 125, that's not bad. Yeah. Back then, you want to get faster, you move up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't move up to junior A. I went straight to the afternoon race. Went to B200. That's what we did back then. We didn't sit there and say in Maggie class. Now, there were riders that stayed in classes. that, And there's a lot of them that were skill-wise and speed-wise. They were perfectly right in what they did. You had some that kind of sandbag until they could win something, and then they would bump up. Well, but, there is a way in the FTR to completely stay in a class so you can try to win it. There's well, a there's ways you can win the. It's hard, but there's ways you can win the championship and still stay in the class the next year and do it again. Yeah. I mean, look at the guy that won uh, Vet B and beat me in the Enduro Series this year. Yeah. He won the class last year, but because of the AMA ranking system, they never promoted him. And he wasn't man enough, in my opinion, to go to A. Yeah. So he stayed in B. And I, I, I'm with you on that aspect of... I understand. In my other life, I was good at things. Yeah, I'm not good at racing. I have I have a blast. I love it. It's the most fun I ever have. I mean, I've never seen somebody that enjoys having the shit kicked out of them <laughs> <laughs> on the regular basis, and comes back and asks, "Can I have some more?" <laughs> I, I I love the sport. I love all aspects of racing. And there was a time I had a chance to win a, a class. Mm-hmm. There was also a time I had a chance. If I didn't win a race, I could have stayed in the class. Mm-hmm. Man, there is something cool about winning a race. Like, yeah, I wanted to win the race. Yeah, and all I had to do was not win a race, and then I have the whole rest of the season to go win as many races. So there's a way to win. I understand championships. Yes, I, my my nephews won. My my brother-in-law's won. They got the jacket. They got the number plate. And if I could win one. I would be so pumped up. Yeah. But I also agree with you in the sense of if there's a place for me to go where when I got bumped from C to B, mm-hmm. dude, I went from winning by seven minutes mm-hmm. to finishing 17th. Yeah. And I didn't ride poorly. I literally, we raced on a in January. We raced at the end of January. I went from seven-minute lead to finishing 17th, and it's like, oh, this is what I got to do. Yeah. I think we should all be wanting to better ourselves, but maybe for some, I'm of the opinion, right or wrong, you're going to get my opinion. I think some people either live through their kids or they didn't have enough success as a kid that they want to have that success now in a hobby. Yeah. Like they didn't win the championship in the eight and under 
youth soccer league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, heck, if I can do it now, I know, I'm smart. I'm I'm an accountant. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And I don't know any accountants that actually are FTR. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, I I know the math to figure this out. Yeah. So I'm going to stand here and Dad Gummit. When we go to Orlando to that really and the banquet's really fun. It's yeah. nice. They call you up. You get your jacket. You get the number one plate. And heck, as an FTR member now, it's an AMA series. You get a true number one plate. Yeah. Yep. And that's cool as shit. But is that worth it? And that's where I am. I don't know. There, there's some that, yes, that, that it's, you can see it at all levels in all classes. You got, like you said, you have some that live through their kids. You have some that didn't have success or this or that, whatever. So they're, they're out there at 50 years old thinking they're the next big thing. And it's like, dude. Why you got to go 50? I don't know. I'm okay. not the next big thing. I know that. Okay. 60. Okay. 60. <laughs> no, we, I know what you're saying. Like, I mean, it, I think, like, there was a moment in time where Garrett Edmondson was the shit. Yes. And he still races now. But time has passed him. He's still good. Yes. He's still very good. But the way he should race now versus what he did 10 years ago is different. Mm-hmm. And we can look at not even, I'm not even calling him out. I'm saying like, you look at the time. These guys race in Loretta's. Ben LeMay. Ben LeMay was a pro making money. Ben LeMay now owns a race tech. He works at uh, Denver, the uh, motocross mm-hmm. there. He, this is, he's trying to have fun. He still has sponsors, but there's they're not. That's a whole other discussion there too. But they're but they're <laughs> they're writing for a different reason. Some of them, yes. Jeff Emig isn't. What's he getting from winning? He's not getting anything. He's endorsing his brand. He's endorsing keeping, the brand, and but keeping his. But did it hurt him that he finished second today behind Mike Brown? I don't know. Maybe it did. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Chris Kiefer, Chris Kiefer finishes third. Yeah, the son or the dad? no the dad the dad. The dad, the dad, the dad's forty years old. He tried to qualify for nationals. He failed. He's here racing yeah. the plus forty cl- or whatever class he's running. He finishes third. Doesn't he's a freaking good rider? Yeah. But he's like Kiefer. He he has, you know, he he's one of the big dogs in the industry. He tests. He does this. Does that. Has his own website. Like he. But so is Mike Brown and and Jeff Emig. Yeah. I was never really a fan. <laughs> you don't have to be a fan. You also weren't a James Stewart fan, but you've even admitted, well, your dad's even admitted that his broadcasting is damn good. So I've never actually, I haven't watched any race that he's broadcasted. It, it's very good. He's actually very good. Yeah. And I will tell you the reason that j- we have gone off tangents. The reason James Stewart is so good. This is, this is what our normal eight-hour trips, <laughs> eight to nine-hour trips consist of is this. The whole way there. The whole way back, about halfway, it stops because we're kind of sleep deprived. Trying to, stay, <laughs> trying to stay awake. But James Stewart is really good because when James Stewart was a pro, he watched video nonstop. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what he does now as a broadcaster? Watch video. Watches video. Yeah. And guess what he has? Analysis that you ain't hearing from other broadcasters. Look right. at this bike. He even shouted out on his pocket. Hey, he was digging on Adam C. and Cirillo for a dude you can't get beat by. Ty Mashable, you can't get beat. You can't. He goes, but your bike, your bike looks good. Mm-hmm. Your bike look, you're getting traction. You're get, and it's like, Weege is awesome. Weege is not giving me that analysis. Yeah. Ricky Carmichael gives me different, but Bubba, I know his name's James Stewart now, but Bubba 
gives me the analysis, like, oh, well, he's actually ridden. He's been a top rider. He knows, and he studied it. Yeah, and he said it was it's, for all his flaws. The guy watched video. Yeah. That's all he did. Yeah. So, that being said, we're not seeing James Stewart out here riding. We're seeing guys that just, hey, I'm 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 having fun. I'm yeah. doing this, and I think back to our original circle. <laughs> Chasing that championship, there is nothing wrong with because it. it is cool to win a championship. Yeah. It is cool. You've won one, MJ's won but one, Mike's doing won it one. within reason yes. and keeping it in perspective and keeping it as it should be. Like, I know some of these guys that do this just after a while. They, they have the money to do things. They have the money just to piss away and buy stuff. Like I get that. Multiple bikes. It yeah. is amazing to go to an FTR race and guys have two or three bikes sitting yeah. in a trailer and you're like, we're only racing one. Yeah. Like I I I get that. But there's there's a lot that live that and that life and have that persona about them that have no reason to be doing that. Or you know financially there's no way in hell they yeah. can do that. Yeah. But they're doing that because and like you see it even more motocross, like I've got to have an eight hundred dollar helmet. I've got to have a set of gear that costs three hundred dollars for pants and jerseys. Like, why? Yeah. For like, I got a just off kind of with this, but sponsor thing, but kind of off on the side. Like, I got in a discussion with a guy, one of the uh, on the pipe podcasts, who covers all GNCC yeah. stuff. Yeah, Stuart Baylor does that. And... Yes, he's one of their main commentaries yeah. that comes on there. There was a clip of one of the last GNCCs that was one of the mud races. and Oh, God, the uh, uh, snowshoe. No, it wasn't that one. It was oh. one of the other ones. And there was it had something to do with the rider that was doing a pit stop, and they said something about it. And you saw that he had his normal MX handguards, but they had made makeshift extensions on the outside to make them bigger. So he wasn't, he wasn't running factory elephant ears. He was making, he made his own. Correct. And I brought that up. I'm like, I would like to hear on your podcast from, say, like Stu or some of these other guys, yeah. why don't y'all actually just run what's actually available out there to where you're not running makeshift handguards that do absolutely nothing? And some rider who, unfortunately, was a quad rider, <laughs> uh, came on there and commented about, well, you know, it has to do with sponsors and da-da-da-da-da, you know, just going off on this. And I'm like, I'm well aware of that, but, you know, like the the elephant ears that I have, yeah. they're manufactured by Moose. Yeah. Okay, well, guess what? Ripped a label off the front of them, and then they're manufactured by nobody. Yeah. Who cares? Like, do you want me to race and keep my hands dry and clean, or do you want me to race and struggle and have piss-poor results? Well, like, there's many fox riders that run Alpine Star under protectors. Yeah, exactly. Like it's because we can't see it, we don't know. Exactly. But because you run a certain, I understand. Like if you're really like you're very skilled. If if you if I showed you my my uh, brush guards, you'd be able to tell me if they were a Cherubus or Cypress. Yeah, yeah. As a normal fan, I couldn't tell you yeah. what they were. So, if the best company that makes elephant ears is Moose, or that's what you can get a hold of. Yeah. By God, when I went to race Ironman a couple years ago, it was cold. I didn't realize it was going to be cold. It was cold. Yeah. Well, I had no gloves. I run a certain kind of glove. I'm not sponsored, but I run yeah. a certain kind of glove. Well, guess what? They had 100% insulated gloves. I bought two pair. Yeah. 
I don't run 100% gloves, but my favorite gloves that I own are those cold weather yeah. 100% gloves. If I get a sponsorship, I'll just put take a black yeah. Sharpie and I'll, because I'm running those gloves. Yeah. But this this quad right, he went on his little thing and I, I'm like, look, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been sponsored by, like, I get it. I understand all that. And he was like, well, you know, I, I'm sponsored by this tire company and, uh, but I, I run these tires, you know, just kind of just running his mouth. And my response back to him was, so how many sets of free tires does that company give you? No response. Who cares? Like, what? Yeah. why are you? And that's a whole nother discussion about sponsors. But it's like, who who cares? Like, run what you want to run. Same in a pro level. If my handguard company doesn't offer something that I need, either make it yeah. or guess what? I'm going to figure out a way to run this to where... I can do what I need to do. Yes, and especially, especially in the off-road world, I think motocross is a little more guarded. I, I haven't figured out why more guys. I think motocross is more of a look. It's a look. The handguards distract them. Because I haven't figured out, like, if I'm running some of these motor, I've ridden on motocross tracks. Yeah. Dude, I, that stuff hurts. Yeah. Why not just run them? Like, it's okay. It's, it's okay. It visually distracts them. From they what? I don't know, because they're sensitive. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Maybe they should start trying it at a younger age. And get I mean, have it. you seen their riding gear now? It's getting tighter and tighter. Dude, you and I cannot wear I like a decent fitting gear that's not like baggy, but not like tight, tight. You like, and I, I are not it. made for seven. <laughs> I told you that a long time ago. No, I'll fit into it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you and I are not made. I would love, since they're a local company, I would love to wear seven. But you and I would look like the Michelin Tire Man. We would look like Babenda. Oh, yeah. If we wore oh, yeah. seven. And it's overpriced. Yeah, but... We could get a sponsor. <laughs> no. Old old men race off road. We need seven gear. You know what my sponsor is? I buy discounted, uh, going out of date MSR gear from Rocky Mountain. Do you know what sponsor is? I take all your old gear that you don't want anymore. I have alias gear. <laughs> I don't know what year it's from. I have alias gear. Two sets that I use for practice. Yep. Um, but not, nonetheless, <laughs> so you had success. I don't even know how we got on this. So you, we're 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 coming out of Junior B. Junior B. Okay. God, we Junior B. You had success. You won a class. You went to Junior B. Yep. You did not have success. You went to two hundred B. I had decent. I finished, you know, top five my first year. Okay. Um, that's not bad. No, for first year on one twenty five. Yeah. And that you can tippy toe. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I grew into the bike as you know the season went on. And um, you only had Kickstarter. By yes. God, you have the same bike they have today for for an RM. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the the 07 was better than the 98. Because um, the 96, 97, 98 still had the... Uh, that's three years they went back to the conventional forks. And then they went to basically the current design. Well, no, they did 96, 97, 98. 99, 2000 was a body style. And then... 2001 to 07 was basically the same. Is that when? Is that the Carmichael years? Uh, yes. Yeah. Because he, he went to Suzuki and because it was Carmichael, and then there 04? was because Dungey went in ten, so we're yeah. way past, okay, yeah. before that. So I was, I was wondering because like I always wonder the development side of things when they get these pros that they want. Yeah, I'm sure they they play a role in yeah. making certain changes. Yeah. Um. So Junior B, I was on that 125, rode that 125, and B200. I rode that bike for 
what, four or five years, something like that. We had it built for, what was it? So I finished, I want to say like fourth or fifth, something like that, and B200 for the year. Were you running a stock bike or are you running an illegal bike? No, it's stock. We, so Junior B was stock bike. B200 was stock bike. The f next year, I went to A200. Damn, you went from B200 to A200, right? Boom, mm -hmm. one year. That's what we did back then. We didn't sit there and sandbag classes. You want to get faster. Because B2, you, you moved up. A200, you're starting to run up with the 250 and open class guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, so when I went the that off season, we had a friend that we met through racing who was a Honda instructor at MMI. And he did mechanic work on on the side. So we took him to suspension and the motor for that RM. He took it to school with him and did all kinds of magic to that motor. It was still 100% legal stock bore, 125, but it had to giddy up and go of a 250. They made it pretty inside? Yep. Yeah. He did all kinds of stuff. Um, Port, polished, all that jazz. We had to run race fuel in it. So when we got that bike back, we, we had a lot of playing around to do with fuel, uh, jetting, the suspension had been done. Like it was completely worked. Uh, he did things to it that, unless you know how to specifically do those little things, nobody else gets done. Yeah. Like it's one of the little technician things that of the good technician. Hey, I, if I do this, it equals this. Yeah. Um, there's one of them deals. Yeah. It's true, true engine, but I think now I think, uh, was it a twisted? They've they've kind of mastered that. Oh, uh, twisted, race, yeah, just the twisted the the engine, yep. the engine compartment. Because yep. literally, they I don't besides factory bikes, they have probably over half the field that they're building engines for, mm -hmm. and they've mastered that they because those guys have that skill set. Yeah. There's there's you can take it to Joe Blow engine guy, and he's going to be able to do the stuff. But the actual guys that are like, hmm, kind of like Mitch Payton building a pipe. Yeah, you know those there there are guys that just have a skill set yeah yep i don't have that skill set <laughs> i do with some things it just depends we're gonna get into that part um so i went so when i moved up to junior b pretty much the group i was with that was mini a mini b we moved up to junior b junior a together then when i went to b200 Basically, the same group moved up. Uh, Garrett and Brandon went to A200. The rest of us were in B200. And pretty, like, I finished fourth or fifth overall, something like that, whatever it was for the season. But pretty much that whole group, we finished together every race. Bless you. There was different winners and stuff, but we all, every race, it was like six of us. That, yeah. We were always, every event, we were right there together. We moved up. When we moved up to A, that's when, like, some stayed behind, some moved up. Garrett went to double A. Damn, from 200A straight to double A. He did junior A. He did... 
A200, not a whole season, I don't believe, if, if I'm not mistaken. He was, didn't do a whole season. Was it still the same rule of if he, you win? Yes, he high, if I'm not mistaken, he high-pointed from A200, and then he went to double A. Uh, Brandon went to A250. Brandon, I can't remember if he did a whole season or if it was the next season where he got paralyzed, and that was the end of his racing career. And then there was uh, me, Michael Jones, who still races. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that name? Uh, Jocko. Woman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was a good racer. Yep. I can't remember. There was a few. Uh, Carlos Rivera from Miami. And there was a couple others. Pretty much all of us, except for Carlos, were on Suzuki's. And A200. It's like the RM Army yep. back in the day. Yep. <laughs> yep. He was the only outsider. He was on uh, Yamaha at the time. And that was before they were the beast that they are now. Yep. Yep. That's crazy. So, A200, how did that season go? Um, It was definitely a different pace. Uh, all them guys were way fucking faster. Because you're not just... Yes, you're racing in your class, but at that point, you're looking at, can I make top 20? Because yeah. you're you're in the A's now, and yeah. it's like, ooh, can I pass? I remember being a C guy in the C200 class going, ooh, how many of the open C guys can I yeah. pass? And, yep. and you're, that's, you start racing beyond your own class. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, I did okay. Um, my goal was always to finish top 10. I achieved the goal one time. I achieved that goal and won that race. I won that race by 10 minutes. Holy moly. It was pretty much, it was up there in Mayo. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was just everything fell right that day and things worked. And Are these still, have tracks started to evolve or is this still old school style tracks? It's old school. Old school style yep. tracks. Yep. It was just uh, sandy, dusty. Uh, the other guys had some misfortune, and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And by the end of the first lap, before we got to Chicane, I passed Carlos, and that's all she wrote. And then I was gone from there, and I just never let off. So, so you won a race. And finished top 10, same race. Top 10 overall. Yep. That's pretty cool. Like, that's one of those, like, dream things. I yep. might buy myself a Rolex if I did something <laughs> that. Like, um, but how did the how did the season end up for you on that? Did I you stay I, there the whole season? I finished fourth or fifth for the year, okay. something like that. Um, I was because the two hundred class or the, the two hundred class basically, for those that aren't aware, you can run one twenty five up to KTM two hundred. Yeah, that, and, that was pretty much it. Was expanded for the KTM. Yeah, because originally, well. The original back then, you had AA, you had A Open, you had A250, you had A125, then you had A200 for the uh, KDX 200s, uh, the old WR 200, a couple other oddball ones, and then they combined the two classes, put them together, and then by that point, the KDXs, for the most part, were dead, yeah. and the KTMs came along. And the KTM is is a very, it's it's not a trail bike it's a race bike yes it'll do either it, yeah. it depends on what it's one of them bikes whatever you can build it for whatever you want to do you want it to scream it'll scream if you want it to act like a tractor it'll act like a tractor but those the 200 class 
for the most part, is not a class that you stay in. You, you oh. kind of evolve to something else. Uh, no, because back then, so back then, they had a four-stroke class. But that was like the XRs, the KLX, okay. like the old heavy four-strokes. So four-strokes weren't, they had just started coming around. They were still like, because they came out with the YZ 498. Those were just starting to kind of trickle in. So they were in the four-stroke class. So you still had 125s were still very prevalent. So it was big, so it was more important back then than kind of more of it's the development class yes. now. Yes, back then A250 was big, A200 stayed pretty big during my time there. Um, what did you run in the open class? Back well, so obviously you had the four strokes coming in. You could run those, uh, or you rode. A KX five hundred, a CR five hundred. Oh, you had good God, and those old hush scrambles. You, oh my Lord, um, that doesn't seem seem fun. You had the the KTM, the three hundred or the three sixty. Those were out there during that time period. Uh, so there's a little bit in that class. That class was kind of a a group that just that's all they that's what they rode. So the two fifty was probably the dominant class. Two, so 250 was your younger, faster kids. Two, uh, A125, A200 was your faster kids coming up. You did, in general, unless you were small, you did a year or two on a 125, and then you went to a 252 stroke. Okay. And then yeah. numerous of them went to AA was the next step. Yeah. And double A, you can run whatever you want, yep. run what you brung, whatever. But even back then, double A was, for the most part, two fifty two strokes yeah. is what they rode. Yeah, which is still cool in off road that the two fifty two stroke, three hundred two stroke, heck, even some of the one twenty five two hundred, they're still. You don't get it's not just all four stroke sounds, at a, at an off road race. You do no. get the the two stroke still has a place. Yeah. Um, all right, so you've, we've made it from little kid to now you're getting fast. Yep. When does shit start hitting the fan for injuries, or are we still far away from that yet? Uh, it's all kind of it's all kind of a blur and runs together. So, because there was a time you took a a big break. Yeah. So during B two hundred or right before B two hundred is when. We got hooked up with OAS Power Sports out of Winter Haven. And my mom went to work at the shop. My dad worked at the shop on his days off when he didn't have anything else to do. Basically, there was an arrangement made. Um, they liked us as a family, and, you know, I, was respect I wasn't like one of those little punk kids running around. Um, so there was an arrangement made. Basically, I had whatever I wanted at my disposal from the shop. It didn't cost anything, really. Uh, so we got hooked up with them, which helped out and got me exposed a little bit to some people. So B200, A200 kind of opened some doors. Uh 
I want to say, I want to say it was A200, I think. I was working in a race in Okeechobee when I broke my back, which... That you were working the race? You yes. weren't even riding the race. I broke my back, went off a cliff. Um, which sounds ironic in Okeechobee, Florida. Well, where they had dug out uh. the ground. When you looked across, it looks like that, but all of a sudden it went about 20 feet down. So I broke my back. Uh, got lucky with that. The pieces went out instead of in. They would have went in. I don't know that I would have been necessarily paralyzed, but it would have been a whole different ball game. We had no idea I broke my back. Um, got over that. Came back. Yeah, it had to be A200. Came back. Got back to racing. Um, when I came back, I felt better than when I got hurt. So I just kind of picked right up. We got an RM250 for me to start transitioning to a 250. That was going good. Was practicing um, a couple weeks before the first race. Just hit a root sticking out in the turn. They kicked the rear end out, threw me over the bars. Just went into the berm, broke my collarbone, and that one was a pain in the butt. It took a little bit for that to heal just due to the way it broke. When I came back, that's when things kind of started to unravel. I was also driving, so I was 16 in high school. I, so fu- I you, wanted you, to race, you, but things were... You were having fun. Yes, things were changing. Yeah. Um, you had this thing called testosterone that started fun. Yeah. Oh, man. We got the peewees. That's got to be tough on these kids. End of the day, peewees, massive pileup in the first corner. So, oof. That's Dude. crazy. That is me. <laughs> hey, I'm there, though. Sorry. So, things started unraveling. You, yeah. you, you made it. You've, you've had this growth so before before I broke my collarbone and things started to unravel, do you know who Dick Burleson is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was supposed to be coming to Florida to watch me. And when he came to Florida, it was going to be one of them, yay or nay. That's where I was. So the next step was GNCC full-time. That's where it was. Obviously, it went the other way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Did the 250 thing, couldn't really, basically I wasn't in it. I could ride and do whatever, but I wasn't in it. Um, so I bounced around between 250 and 125 for like a year, year and a half. And that's when, at that point, I was like, okay, I don't really want to race no more. So I just stopped racing. So I was 17-ish. Now did your dad still ride? Yes, he still rode for a few more years. Um, so it's still so the family's still in FTR. At yeah, some point. he still rode for a few more years, and I, there was a couple races I went to, and uh, like I, I remember one specifically. I, it was just me and him went down for the day. So there were still races I went to. I was just kind of over it and didn't really, yeah. really. It, it wasn't in my heart anymore. Um, so it just kind of got, got all out of it. He. Uh, he still raced for a few more years. Uh, 
he didn't he didn't get hurt any he ended up uh actually having some lung complications from stopping and helping an injured rider at a race he actually got a fungus in his lungs oh. from the dust um and that started a whole nother chain reaction of shit that's still going on today yeah um so then he stopped racing we sold everything god one went down and they've all just stopped in the sand <laughs> see that's on a side like that's i i understand kids gotta learn how to run but there's a point yeah like they don't need to be in that. That's not fun to them. That's that's torture. They're just trying to survive. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're watching Loretta's. It's the peewees. They literally were going through a sand left-hand roller's corner. A kid falls, and then a kid 10 feet away sees that he falls, so he slows down, he falls, and then, like, six of them fell. Yeah. All in the same corner. And I don't think anybody actually hit anybody. They all just fell. No, they just fell. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so. So, he... He sold everything to one of our friends that was still riding and racing. Uh, basically, he made him <coughs> a deal on the motorhome, trailer, bike, like the whole. Because you guys had upgraded. I remember you guys had upgraded to an RV at that point. Yeah, class, we had a C, right? Yeah, we had a Class yeah. C, and we still had the same 6x10 enclosed trailer. Uh, when I was riding for the that dealership, we had a, we were a vendor at the race, so we sold merchandise at the race but they furnished us a enclosed trailer that we built out so we had a, a race trailer and then our small practice trailer so when all when all that kind of went into crap and everything ended like all that stuff went back to them and then we just had you know our old stuff that we started with yeah uh he sold all that stuff and we when we when we got out, we completely got out. Everything was gone. Was he crushed that you left? I have no idea. No, never asked. Nope. Never never talked about it. Nope. I was curious because I went through that with my with my dad when I was BMX racing. Yeah. Tennis was kind of like we've reached everything we could. Yeah. Um, I was just I'm always curious. Like there was such a big family dynamic. But let's go to what brought you back. Um. Why why. You left it, but why did you come back? I mean, that's been a while, yeah. while now, so I'm, I'm yeah. having to think back of. But you, but you've been in it back, but sporadically, you've been more consistent the last. Four so years I, I know I don't remember specifically how it got brought up. They were racing on the 80 foot road side of Clear Springs. Mm -hmm. They were having there was a, a race there. My dad was like, "Hey, do you want to just go watch?" And I was like, "Okay." So we walked out there and we uh, we ran into some people we knew from you know way back when, and like that night I was on Craigslist. And you never stopped. No, it's gotten way worse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That was so. That was uh, was it? Oh eight. In the 08, somewhere in there, is when we went out there. Something like that. It was in 08, first 09, somewhere in that time frame. So that's when it started back. So it was, I had, what, seven years off, eight years off, something like that. Completely on a bike one day, seven years later, back on a I mean, road. you did start a career. Yes, I graduated high school. Um, 
became a firefighter. I've been doing that total time 20 years now. Um, I mean, you bought a house. You've, you've yeah. done, it's not uh, like you've, you didn't do anything. Yeah, you, yeah. you started yeah. kind I of finished just... high school, started a career, went through one wife on the second one. Now have a kid still same department. Um, you know, being an adult, doing adult stuff. Yeah. Acting like a jack, you know, just having fun. You but know? I guess my question is, you've come back. Yep. Now you have a kid doing it. Yep. You had success. You were on the verge of, we don't know what would have happened. Exactly. But you were on the verge of. The opportunity was there to do The something. next step. Yes. You came back and it's like, I'm doing this for fun. But I've been to your dad and your house to work on bikes. And I think what I want to get across is they work on things. They, they, they have the tools. They have... But they will never tell you, like, no, man, you don't need to buy this. You should buy buy this. It's better. You still enjoy the study of racing. And I wonder now, do you enjoy the racing or do you enjoy the art of what racing is? Both. I enjoy racing. Because it's different for you now. Oh, yeah. If it's one of them, like, it's... And I say that giving... He's the one that gives me shit for anything that I do. (laughs) So I say that coming from... I I get to live it, so I'm curious. Like you say, you like both. For you going out now, there's no sponsors calling. No, but what what makes you go out there and like? Okay, I'll, I'll try to ride now. Just because I can, I enjoy it. It's kind of one of the things. It's like honestly, so it like the the old saying goes: I wish I knew then what I know now. If I knew then what I knew now, things would have been different. We'd be, um, we'd be podcasting in an air conditioning studio. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not in the state of Florida. Um, yeah. Like, not like so when we got back into it, obviously being an adult, having your own money. When we first got back into it, I tried doing things the way I did when I was a kid. Like, we used these type of brake pads or we use this or we use that but it's like wow that stuff's expensive yeah so (laughs) we're about to have a technical difficulty are we still on are we still centered sorry we had a dog getting a chicken (laughs) not a real one we good we don't need PETA showing up (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah, that stuff is expensive. So it was, you know, like when we rode for the dealership, DP Brakes was the supplier for that dealer. We were sponsored through DP Brakes. Came back. Oh, wow, these things are expensive. So as being an adult, it's like, well, what else can I buy that's cheaper? So when we came back, I started getting more into the researching side of it, learning things on my own, figuring life out basically you are my encyclopedia britannica i yes. just want you to know yes. yeah i read mike stuff way too much yes um, i like it though because i don't have to so i started learning stuff and started figuring stuff out on my own and then my dad also started learning stuff again so then you just start putting all that together and it's just a whole big book of just crap that just falls out whenever you open it um So over the years, I've just, uh, I enjoy researching and learning 
this stuff and sometimes I enjoy the confrontational side of it a little bit. We're going to get to that. We're going to finish with that. <laughs> but we got to get through the family side first. So the family? It, it's, it's expanding my knowledge to the point where there's certain stuff that only certain people know. The information's out there. Yeah. But people aren't smart enough to actually do any of the work themselves. They'll go online, they'll ask a question instead of going online and reading something. When you go online and you read something, there's other parts that you learn that nobody else knows. Yeah. I like having that other part because when it comes down to a discussion or it comes down to this, somebody will sit there and question you all day long. And when you go, when you can sit there and start pulling out like numbers and stuff like that, you just shut them down and it's like, I don't want to, I, I'm good. I, and this it's co- kind of like, it's, and I wanted you to talk about this because this is where our eight hour conversations come from. You and I both run, have been running those Tusk tires. Yeah. They're an off brand. It's, I, I've never had a tire that bit so hard in a rut on the side. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's something I got to get, but the tire's fine. Yeah. But it was like half the cost of a normal tire and brake pads and ch- sprocket. And it's like, you have saved me, but I've learned it instead of me having, I asked the question yeah. and like, Hey man, I know you read some sort of white paper. So can like you help <laughs> me out on this and like, mm. you tell me, tell me what we're doing. And I've asked you, I'm going to run all the Enduros next year. Yes. I'm running the national Enduro series next year. And you, you and I've already talked about like, do I need this? No, man, don't waste your money. You need this, 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 and this is what we're doing. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. That knowledge that you talk about, you're trying to pass that on to Gunner. Slowly, yes. Slowly. We're, we're starting. We're starting. He's eight years old. He'll be nine in November. We've had a few conversations this summer about, hey, you like to know about this stuff because you ask all the time. Here it is. Now, let me explain to you where this comes from. And then he's like, hmm. So this does, you get this or you get i'm like yeah like that's why this equals this so are you pushing the because of what you went through family excuse me family dynamic success failure breakage you still put your kid on a bike but i've witnessed you practicing out here you don't push him to go be you and he enjoys riding he enjoys riding out here with you are you satisfied with that? Yep. Yep. I, uh, so when he started riding at the house, because obviously on a PW50, you can ride a yeah. PW50 yeah. anywhere. They make no sound. You had a great track there. Too. Yeah. Um, so he started riding when he was four and a half. So I pushed him a little too hard at one point, like in the very, very beginning. Because I'm like, and, and it all, it had to do with turning. It's like, you're almost five. You can hit a turn and berm and like half the time. The other half, like you're, you have no idea what you're I doing. Feel, I feel like you're talking to me right now. Well, that too. Different <laughs> <laughs> friends. We, we've had that same discussion. Um, and I pushed him a little bit too hard. He shut down for about a month or two. And I just, okay. And then he, hey, you want to ride? Okay. 
I'll just let him go out there and do his thing. And occasionally I'll say something. And back then, when he was little, like he watched bikes on YouTube, um, racer TV for the GNCC. Like he watched that stuff religiously. Little bastard picked a lot of stuff up on his own. He's, got great, he's got great form. Yeah. I was watching that, him the other that, day. Very little of that is me. Some of it is, but a lot of that is him watching this. He watches this. He also studies me when I ride. Because Mindy will tell me, you know, when I come in or that night, whatever. He's like, you know, Gunner said this or Gunner said that. So he watches me. Then he tries to mimic what I do. So between him studying on his own and then studying me, He's picked up what to do, and he does on his own. Yeah. Uh, and He just doesn't have that competitive drive at this point. And as a dad, like, he does soccer. He's done karate. The guy, the kid is, you should buy some Gunner Crowley sand art, by the way. <laughs> you can get it for a good price. But, like, he has his own life. Yeah. But he enjoys that. And, and I'm just wondering from a competitive aspect, coming from a dad who had a daughter who... Didn't do anything yeah. that dad did. He has, so he has, he has the natural ability to ride a motorcycle. It is 100% there. I can see it all day long because when we put him on a PW, he was four and a half, put him on it within 10 minutes on his own. Didn't have to do anything. Hey, that's the throttle. You twist that the faster you go. Hey, that's the back brake. You want to stop, use that. That's the front. Don't worry about that one right now. We'll deal with that one later. Yeah. And same thing with the clutch, you know, learning out here. Yeah. I mean, within one, 30 minutes, like, okay. And this is, by the way, out here is a sand pit. So it you, was. It's, it's gotten better. It's but, way better than what it used to be since you cleared everything off. But it's still like you got to ride. Yes. Like you, uh, we always joke, if you can ride out here, you can pretty much ride yes. wherever. Yep. But as a young kid trying to learn that that skill, that's what I said. Like he, and you can see like he enjoys riding. You guys come out and do forty minute motos, and he's like, "Oh yeah, cool." And he gets yeah. a snack, and he's good. And you're okay with this is how good I was. You don't care if it's for because it's not for you. It's for him. Yeah, whatever he wants. Yeah. If he if he said I don't want to ride a ride period anymore, I'd be like, okay, are you sure? If he said, yeah, I'm like, okay, it is what it is. I know realistically at some point he will probably come back. But I've let him make his own choices even at this young age. What, what do you want to do? Does him riding drive you to ride or is that still internal for you? No, I still like doing my thing. I okay. like like I, I like riding with him. Like when we go race, you know, I like, but, you know, sometimes I like, let me just go out here and show my ass for five laps. Yeah. Just let me come out here and just... Well, you did that the other day. You guys were out riding, and all of a sudden I look out, and you're just burning laps, and Dad's standing up on the hill. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't have a stopwatch checking times on you. Well, I mean, we were... We were suspension playing, testing. Yeah, we were playing yeah. with suspension. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, it's still that. Like, it's... My dad says I'm not as fast as I was when I was a kid. Are you cleaner now? Yes. I'm way smarter and way smoother than I was. Yeah. Which, I mean, obviously you should. It's kind of weird, like, with the gap that was there. It took a long time and, you know, destroying my wrist. Uh, breaking this arm. <laughs> a couple other things to get my head right. Like, okay, you're not 16 no more. Slow down. Once I slowed down and kind of figured out 
okay, this shit don't matter no more. Like, just go ride. When I did that, it started. Yeah. And that's, I guess, that'll be my final question on the racing side of things is, you do it now for fun. You see the smoothness. When you go out and race, you had a successful year in Enduros. You you got a podium overall for mm-hmm. the Enduros this year. We went out of state a couple of times. There were one. There was one race that you even came. You're like, I don't know what we're doing. Then there was one race you came in. And you're like, that felt good. Yeah. You didn't finish where you wanted, but you felt good about like I couldn't have done any more. Like I rode good. Yeah. Are you at that point in your life like this is fun and I like the challenge of what can I do better now or is it still if I can get the plaque I want the plaque. Um, like I like so. On Saturday with pre-mod, I got promoted to A. Obviously, when I came back to racing in general, per FTR rules, I followed the rules, letter of the law. I came back from seven years off to ride an A Open. That's the stupidest thing to do, but per letter of the law, that's what you do. And I did that. I tried my best for numerous races. Then I petitioned and went to B. Rode B for several years. And, you know, had some good races here and there. Never won anything, but had some decent races. Um, went to plus 30 when that class was created. Same thing. Never won any races, but had some good races. Uh, pulled some really good starts against some really fast guys, which is cool to, like, beat Sean Clark to the first turn or the first two turns, and then you just kind of ease over, like, <laughs> I'm gonna watch the GoPro. Yeah, <laughs> watch you pass me. I just want to see what I look like from behind for yeah. two turns, and then we'll call it a day. Um, so, went to plus thirty. Plus thirty is when things started clicking. I showed up my first race in plus thirty and got third. It was like, hmm. and then it kind of started going up from there instead of going down. Yeah. Um, then went the vet. Same thing. I haven't won anything in vet. In vet B. Had some good races. Uh, I think my best, well, my best finish should have been uh, second. But that was, a, I got dinged for a technicality. Um, but we did Enduros. I got promoted to A per AMA. So I just went ahead, did A across the board. I know my days of winning anything, they're over. Like, me winning an A-level race against, even if half the class is there, yeah. is slim to none. But I earned an A back on my bike. That's where I am. Yeah. I'll stay there until I get an X or whatever it is when you hit whatever yeah. age it is. You know, it, I'm an average A-rider on a good day. I have my brilliant moments where... That's fucking cool. Um, but it is what it is. That's where I am. I'm happy where had, I am. You had one of those at Sam, uh, not Sam Sula, at uh, Hogwall. I remember we were watching, like, you were dead last off the start. Like, dead last, like, you weren't even in the same. Yeah. And then we were sitting at the finish, and I think he's in third. Yeah. And it was like, that happened in 12 miles. That's pretty pretty solid. Like, yeah. I was like, all right, that's, that's good. And that was on a 450 that I practiced out here a couple times yeah. on. Never raced in the woods. So I got a question for you. Do you feel like you're a better rider now or better technician? Both. 
I know what, I, well, so back growing up, like, I kind of learned, my dad taught me stuff, obviously, but like, he would come home from work, and like, I would have my 80, or even my 125 at the time, just tore completely apart. So I kind of self-taught how to do stuff, back to the research part, I've learned how to do other stuff, this does this, this does that, um, so I, I'm better at working on stuff, I know what things mean what things equal what why that's the biggest one is why does this do this Mm -hmm. um so on the mechanical side of things like i would say in general i we are pretty solid which is why it's very rare for us to have any issues normally if something if we have a dnf normally it is some oddball off the wall thing that's like you mean like a shock failing or whatever well i mean yeah like the (laughs) the shock head failed from the last time it was serviced to me riding it formed a leak and was leaking didn't really pay attention or know until i got out on the track and it was like something is just not right because but that's 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 one of those odd issues that just just like uh his last year on uh his ktm or husky 50 at dade city when the spark plug cap popped off well come to find come to find out you know it popped off because of the dielectric grease we were using was there was one different ingredient in it that caused the grease to expand see that's the funny stuff that most people don't know caused it to pop off and separate, which just looking at it at a glance, it looked like the the plug or the spark plug cap itself had failed. Well, come to find out when went back to the truck, tore, you know, took the tank off, took everything apart. Okay, this is what happened. Put it right back on there. No big deal. Um, so, like, that's that's kind of the stuff, just a random, but it's few and far between. Yeah. But you learned from it, and now you know. Yeah. Don't buy that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So racing is done. We're going to end it with this. And I don't know how long that will take, but we're going to end. <laughs> Why do you enjoy the controversy so much? It's just fun. But the it's funny fun thing... Be, it's fun being right. But is there... Do you enjoy the so, assholishness, or do you wish that there was a smoother way that you could say it without being so... Because I don't care if it's FTR, GNCC... Supercross, heck, we're looking at Loretta's light right now, and a dude posted his Loretta's thing, and you were like, "That's the dumbest thing in the world. Why would you do that?" And I just wonder, like, not necessarily are you wrong, but why do you enjoy that? It's so. My dad is not controversial at all. He is very politically correct, and from some of that had to do with his position in the fire service. Um, my mom is more boisterous and always has been. So I get some of it from her. The other part I get from my uncle who basically I'm a remake of him from what everybody's told me. And, you know, from growing up around him, uh, pretty much he said, what do you want to say? And if you like it, great. If not, we, you know, yeah. um, and 99% of the time he was a hundred percent right. He just said it. He said it the way a lot of things should be said, but they're not. A lot of things are just sugar-coated and 
to cater to the masses so you don't upset people or hurt their feelings. Well, sometimes you need to get your point across and somebody needs their feelings hurt and normally that sometimes fixes things and changes the outcome of them. You baby them and... Dude, these kids are on 50s doubling the Ten Commandments. They shouldn't be on 50s if they're doing that. That's ridiculous. They should be on 60s, 65s. Maybe the, are, those are 50s, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like the Cobras and the yeah, yeah, yeah. mini KTMs. Yeah. Dude, I don't even <laughs> think I could double through the Ten Commandments. So you like the controversy. That leads me to you've had so many opinions and arguments and discussions and things on the FTR. You've been through FTR, through what it was, and we all know it's not going back to what it was. But is there is there a way to kind of right the ship? <laughs> not without being more like me. <laughs> In the organization, I mean, I know that it's a not-for-profit but you can't fault a company for, holy shit, we've gone from 500 riders to 1,000 riders. We're bringing in the cash. Yeah. For the betterment of the riders, safety, family security, so on and so forth, I think there probably should be some changes. But the same thing's happening in motocross. The same thing happens at GNCC. The same thing, we had a rider pass away at Dade City mm-hmm. this past week. We're, we are also labeled as those thugs. They posted the video this yes. week of the thugs riding on golf course. Well, guess what? That's not us. We yeah, don't. Yeah. We've had dreams of like, oh man, that that course looks cool. I would. Yeah, yeah. But we've also had dreams of us riding on culverts, jumping culverts. Yeah. We don't do that. We're not those people. There are also people that race cars, and there's people that street race. Two different things. Why are the motors? Why is the motorcycle world look so down upon? Of like. Those are terrible people. We got to shut them down. I, I just think it. I, I don't know specifically, but I mean, I'm sure. In general, it stems back to like the. When you go way, way back, like the Hell's Angels and all. Are we that still kind. that far back though? I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure if you. If you ask some old person that hates, like, where does it come? And I'm sure it probably has something to do with something that happened to them back in. the... 50s or something. Are the Wheelie Boys the new Hells Angels? Yes. And I know people, you guys watch, you stop watching YouTube. They're thugs. Yeah. They're, they're, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking of race. 90, 99% of what you see out there that they're riding is stolen property. Um, and they're riding illegally. Oh, yeah. It happens here. Like, we have people ride dirt bikes and side-by-sides and four-wheelers down the side of the road in our little community, and it drives mm-hmm. me bananas. Yep. It uglies the community. Yep. I agree. Stop that. Let us go do a sport. Yeah. Yep. And I know you have opinions on that, but on the racing side, the FTR is an organization that promotes racing. They have Enduros and they have hair scrambles throughout Florida. Right now, it is the only series in Florida. Mm-hmm. If you want to race in Florida, you got to race in the mm-hmm. series. And there's a quite a few people. I don't think it's a silent minority. I think there's a lot of people who are not happy with the structure of what FTR is yeah. right now. I think, so I know like Randy Fall, who's the president, posted on when one time, I can't remember what it was the guy brought up, but he did publicly say that 
when this term is up, he is done. He will not rerun. He will not run again, ever. He's done good things for FTR, but he's also done bad things. It's time for him to step aside. Uh, there's one person I hope that does take over and tries to correct things. I think they that person will. He's controversial like me. Yeah. He's not liked by a lot, especially the older regime. But do you have to be liked to get stuff done? With the current regime that's there, there's there's that click that... And there was some stuff posted the other day about something with somebody that was in that click that apparently was done backdoor. Uh, But things would just magically happen, magically appear. Mm -hmm. Uh, That kind of stuff needs to stop. We need to quit catering to the masses with them. I'm, I'm really curious to see this season what Saturday looks like and what Sunday looks like with sportsman class being gone. Yep. I've seen where some of them have bought pre-mod bikes. Mm-hmm. So I think like pre-mod B especially is going to probably be pretty decent size for a while. Uh, I think there's going to be possibly some riders being DQ'd out of beginner because there's been some that have hinted around about, you know, going back and well, you can't do that. So it'll be interesting to see this next season, how things kind of fold, unfold. I personally hope that there's a drop in attendance. If some of those masses could be thinned out and some of the ones you don't want at the events just be run off, it'd be better for everybody. It's, and, it's not. And by attendance, and I'm going to be the other side, by attendance, attendance, you don't, it's not just because our properties aren't big enough to handle all these people. Correct. That's the that's the overarching problem. It's Correct. not just the attendance, the people. It's we don't have the space or the track layout or yeah. the safety crew. But or it whatever. comes back to you got you got mom and dad and one kid. They go out. They buy a hundred thousand dollar motorhome. They buy a $30,000 enclosed trailer that's fully finished for a peewee rider. Now, you have this rig that is massive. That's, just say it's a semi. Well, when you multiply that, you run out of room real quick. If these people would quit trying to be, thinking they're going to be the next big thing, Look, come down for the freaking day, throw the bike in the back of the truck, or you can have an enclosed truck. Who cares? The space issue would still be there a little bit, but I don't think it would be as big of an issue as it is now. I mean, me personally, like, I have no problem throwing a bike in the back of the truck or in the trailer and just going up for the day. Like, honestly, I am perfectly fine with that. I'd rather do that because I don't, I don't sleep worth a crap on the track anyway. If more people did that, the space issue wouldn't be as big of a problem. But I, I have to say, son and, and, and well, now it doesn't matter. You have mom, dad, you have everybody that race, anybody can race. 
But let's say mom is just feeding the family. Well, mom doesn't want to sweat up during the day, so we got to get her an RV to hang out in and, and fix food and and You're, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Need to stop comfort? opening this can of worms because this is going to lead to some other but, this some other conversation. But what's wrong with having comfort? There's too much comfort in this world. The people people need to. I understand. This at, coming from a dude that we go in a jeep with a trailer, and if it's hot, it's hot, and if it's cold, yeah, it's cold. Yeah. I mean, I am looking at an RV, but there's a time and there's a place for everything. In general, things have have been softened down. I'm trying to use correct yeah, words. You're, you're right. I'm it's, doing. I'm doing yeah, good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're good. Um, things have been softened down too much. I understand some days it's freaking hot. We go to some races and, you know, especially the first of the season or at the very end of our season where it's just like, God, will it stop, you know? Can, can the clouds just come over for two out, you know, just to cool things off? Is comfort worth, and some people are like, oh, yeah. Is comfort worth being asshole and dead upside down? They ain't got a pot to piss in, but they got... A hundred thousand dollar RV, thirty thousand dollar trailer, a you know, a fifteen thousand dollar fifty sitting like. Yeah. If you want to stay cool, get easy up, go get your little generator, hook up a couple fans, and guess what? Just air moving most of the time cools you off. You know, or your enclosed trailer, put a portable AC in it, put a roof unit on it, or whatever. Like, you can be comfortable and keep things simple. You ain't got to be all fancy, end-all, be-all. Like, uh, Yeah, the off-road side has definitely, and I don't say this disrespectfully, the off-road side has definitely become motocross point two. Oh, yes. Absolutely. It, it is that way. Yes. Like, and it is crazy because I race on Sundays. I get a hotel Saturday night. I show up Sunday morning, and I race, and I go home. But there are people that will come in Friday, and they're there. Mm -hmm. They're stripping down bikes. They're eating. The kids are running around on one wheels. It's it's a whole weekend, and that kid's racing one class for 25 minutes, or maybe they're up in the hour and a half class. Or maybe dad races too, but it's an entire production. And, oh, then, yeah. they're, and then they're mad because, well, I don't want to race on Sunday afternoon. And we get home too late. Well, And see, that's where they wouldn't survive the way it used to be because we still had the two o'clock race when you came around. Yeah, yeah. So you had the morning race at 10, then you had 12, and then you had two. Yeah. Well, at two, you got done at four. So realistically, you were getting out of there around darkish yeah. or before. Like, it's the way it was. When I first started racing and I got into FTR to the afternoon because I, once I did beginner and then we raced at one o'clock, I think. I think it was one. Mm. And you were done by three. I'm never a fast person. I we stopped. I eat a snack. We we were always like one of the last people to leave. Yeah. It's getting dark. We'd go to a GNCC, and when I had to race the afternoon race, you just know like, hey, this yeah. this is. But that's also that commitment of if you race cars, if you do baseball. Yeah. My 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 nephew plays competitive baseball. They play from Saturday morning until Sunday night. 
and the kids go to school the next day. And it, for yeah. some reason, racing, we fuss because well, you've got an RV. Your kids can sleep on the way home. Mm-hmm. They could sleep in there all night. Like yeah. when you get home, just go to sleep. Yeah, and get them up and go to school. And I, I don't feel sympathy for that part of it. But I also understand on the argument side. I understand like, hey, mom wants an RV. Cool. I just don't understand the RV with the forty foot trailer and for Pee Wee kids. Like, I, 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 I'm, I am baffled by that. But I never went through that. It's, it's- all that is all that boils down to is look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. There there is a uh, youth rider that rides motocross. Her family has well her grandparents have a lot of money. All of that money has been funneled into her racing from the time she was old enough to ride. She is 100% homeschooled. They have a full-blown toter home with a, it's probably, it's at least 30 feet. It's not a stacker trailer, but it's, it's a big damn trailer. Uh, full-blown practice track at the house. When they're there, they, they stay on the road. But these, so these people were at Bartow MX one night when we were there racing. This full setup, they have mechanic, like the whole nine yards for one little girl. One little girl. She has like five bikes out there. Now, you came to Bartow to race. She rode like two classes. I think one was a 50 class and one of them was a 65 class. You drove a toter home, pulling a 30, 40 foot trailer, six bikes out there, full in production. All that is is look at me, look at me, look at me. The little girl, her, she's not allowed to come out of there unless it's race time. She stays inside, not allowed to even talk to other kids. Like it, all they're doing, and like with that scenario, all they're doing, they're screwing that kid up. At some point, something is going to happen, yeah. and it's going to be bad. And there's no... F- sounds terrible. At this point, there's no future for women motocrossers. No. Like, I, I don't mean that really. Off-road side, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, motocross, because they killed the, the woman's series, like, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. it's dead. Um, but like those, those kind of people, like, okay, you have money, cool. But why do you need to show up like this? Yeah. It's look at me, look what I have. Uh, uh, there are a couple people that are, in my opinion, 100% justified in their setups. Like, you take Kyle McAfee, for example. He races two, two possibly three classes on a weekend. He has one son that races up to two classes on a weekend. He has his youngest son who's racing peewees. He has his daughter, who's racing Huey quads, and then there are other stuff. So you have a truck full of kids and a bunch of like. So he has a massive setup. Yeah. You know what? He's justified in what he needs because if he needs you look, a car hauler. Well, that's basically <laughs> what he's upgraded to. Yeah. But he has a big motorhome. Well, guess what? 
it's him and three kids, a dog, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and his parents also come to the races. And then he needs a trailer to tote all this. Okay, well, guess what? He's justified in what he needs. I understand that. And he also races other places, too. Yeah. I understand that. That makes sense to me. But that would be like you showing up in a full-blown Class A with, well, the when we went to the first Enduro of the year, uh, Little Brown Jug, mm-hmm. and we were coming down the back road right at dark coming into the property, and you had the guy from South Florida with that yes. massive diesel pusher and that yes. massive trailer driving up there with one bike in it. Yeah. Why? I understand you have money. But that's just stupid. Like, that's, that's, I understand it's comfort. But guess what? Our cheap ass holiday in that we stayed in was just as fucking comfortable. (laughs) And we had some good views, too. So, like, I just, and I, none of that impresses me. It doesn't impress me. I think it's a waste. That mentality is some of what has caused issues as well. Because yeah. you have people will look at me. Well, I want it to be this way, and that's the masses that have been catered to. Yeah, I'm, and I think that's part of the. And I think, do you think FTR grew faster than it was capable of growing? Because it kind of happened exponentially. It really happened quickly. right before COVID. And then during that time period, because everybody was like, oh, well, if we go outside, we don't, we don't have to follow whatever, you know, they started out and that's when it exploded. It was right before that is when the number started inching up. But I know, I remember previous to that and numerous meetings, it was like, you know, yeah, we want, we want more, we want more people. We want more people. We want more people. And then boom. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, what do we do? And it's been, unfortunately, downhill, in my opinion, since then. Like, it's just, I've had issues. Like, my parents have had issues. And but most of the time, it's not, we're not going out looking for problems. Um, we've had a couple races, you know, because my parents park with Roland and a couple other people. And when they, when they pull in, they're side by side, just like this. And they're senior citizens who are very set in their way. Yeah. All of them. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they're, they're not forming the squares yeah. or any of this other, like they're single file line, just like this. And we've had numerous people pull in behind us. Okay. That's fine. But they pull in so close that you can't drop the back of the trailer down for the gate to open and get anything out. And then when you say, Hey, would you mind just sliding over 20 feet? Because, Hey, I got to get this out. Or my bike, or golf, whatever, they want to fucking fight about it, and it's like those people be gone, yeah. just get rid of them. Yeah, like yeah, I, that and that's one of those issues that there's always the bad in the bunch, but there's because there's more people, there's more of them. Yes. Um, damn, I had one more question I wanted to ask you. Um, give me just a second. We were t- we've talked about the growth. We've talked about. Oh, you've been on the board. I think you've been a part of a club. Mm-hmm. I think I've also been a part of a club. I've also been on the board. Mm-hmm. Why is this? Why are the clubs 
Because that's what FTR was built on. FTR was built on clubs. Yes. The clubs host the race. It was, at one point, it was the fun part was being on a club and going to build a track. I learned, and this is me, I learned, I just like racing. I I, I don't really, I just want to go race. Yeah. I, I want to go here and race, there and race. I I like the clubs. I love, I still have people that are friends yeah. that are on clubs. Why have the why has the club model started having a hard time getting members? I mean, honestly, I really don't know specifically. I'm sure you could pick any topic and go off of it with it. I mean, people are lazier. They don't want to work. They don't want to do stuff. They just want stuff given to them. I mean, that's probably one of the big ones. But am I lazy because I just like racing? No, and some people just want to race. Like, I, I mean, I, I get it. Like, if Gunner was racing, and I know, like, everybody does it, and, like, sometimes I don't, like, just take Kyle, for example, being in the official positions that he's been in, having all his kids that race, you know, somehow he manages to do all that and still race, and, like, I know with the way I do things, and my routine that, I, like, it doesn't work. I can't. I can't do do that and be competitive or there not be a, a consequence to it. Like, yeah. if Gunner wants to race with the minis at 12.15, that's fine. But realistically, especially at this point, there's no way I can race the same day at two o'clock because he will be finishing, especially being slower and just starting out right when I would be like there, there's not enough time. Some people manage that. Some people will have it figured out with the way I do things. Like I don't have the time. I I can't do that. So it's also, it also comes down to like working events. Like you have a kid that races. Well, the kid wants to race. Okay. Well, if I'm working the event and I'm a, a sign way out, like it just, yeah. I, I know some people have it figured out or they do this or like, but. Do you see the club model going away? It has to. It has. They, they either have to go realistically full blown business and you have paid this, paid that and like run it as a business or you have to shrink it way back down because we went to those two enduros that we went to those are private places yeah and they're they're clubs yeah and we noticed there were younger members that had joined because they were out there working with their wives yeah and they were old members yeah but there was the young young people were out there working and i thought well the club model still works yeah but for some reason ftr we're having a hard time building tracks because we can't get but five members to come out and build a track yeah and there's a thousand people at the race. I'm sure that each club could get 20 active members yeah. and still have enough people to yeah. run, run races. But it, I've, I, you know, and I've also heard stories from numerous people of you know they've gone out and tried to help clubs, and when they show up and they try to do this or suggest this, the older regime shuts them down and basically runs them off. Well, it's it's one of the things like. You're not going to stay an abusive relationship, but for so long, and then yeah. it's like, oh, screw you, you're on your own. Yeah. So, it, it, 
And I would like the record to reflect, I didn't leave any of the... I actually <laughs> left one of the clubs because I stopped racing. I stopped racing yeah. for like 10 years. Yeah. And, um, and the other club, I've, I've never actually joined, but I've, I've been to meetings and I put input in. And now with my next year's schedule, I actually had reached out and said, hey, if you guys put on a race, I actually want to come. If I'm... I, I want to come help mm. just because I, I want to see what that's like. I yeah. haven't done that in a yeah. while. And... It is kind of fun being in charge of like, ooh, this is our section. Yeah. Cool. Like, what can we do? And yeah, but I'd love to see FTR still flourish. It's the only thing in town. I mean, if you race in Florida, it's the only thing in town. Yeah. And other entities have tried, but they've never succeeded because FTR still kind of got its thing. I don't think I don't think it's necessarily that. It's nobody's ever officially tried to challenge. FTR. I know there's been a couple that like they put on like these two or three race little you know whatever like during off season. Mm-hmm. But normally the people doing those for the most part are from FTR. So like there's nothing going on so they create hey well let's do these couple little races and we'll and that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Which I mean it's cool to have those options during the off season. I mean I think if if some of these places did that consistently, they would have a consistent turnout. Like people know, okay, during the off season, you know, we're going to have these three events at this facility and this at this facility. Like yeah. people show up and start doing it, but I, nobody has officially ever challenged FTR because I, it's too big to fail. I won't say it's too big to fail because it is failing. It's just failing slowly. I I think the groundwork to get it off the ground and start it would be very time and labor intensive to do it. Yeah. I think it would take a lot. Like the biggest thing would be, you know, say you're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna start a year behead, a year ahead of time. We're gonna do five races. All right. Well, we got to have either five pieces of property, or we've got to be able to do something cool five different times on the same piece of property. And just kind of go from there, and like just all the just the little things adding it together. You yeah, know. it's doable. I think if somebody did it, they would be successful if they did it right. It's just somebody doing it. And you're talking about a for-profit model versus the not-for-profit. Not even necessarily, for, just doing something different. Hmm. Because I mean, if you if you look at it like you have, you have GNCC, you have National Enduro, you have U.S. Sprint Enduro, you have uh, the other Sprint Enduro series. I can't remember the name of it. There's U.S. Sprint Enduro, then the other one. You got J Day. Like you have all these other series that are the same thing in the same regions, and they're all successful. Yeah. That's not step on one another most of the true. time. True, and that's that's the thing is you have to. There would have to be some mutual respect. Like, okay, well, FTR's got you know three events this month. Okay, well, we there's one weekend off. Well, we could do an event, but realistically, our turnout's going to be crap. Well, next month they only have one event. All right, well, let's do one of that. You know, yeah. there would have to be some mutual respect, and I think, and that's how those other series are. Is they don't. In general, they don't schedule stuff on top of each other. 
They may be back-to-back weekends, but they're not, you know, competing with each other day for day. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they don't like each Because I know I'm one of the things I listen to, I guess, U.S. Sprint Enduro and the other Sprint Enduro series, there is some competitiveness between the two series, and there's, I guess, some little bickering back and forth. Kind of like two arena cross series. Yes. Yeah. But in general, they're they don't try to screw each other because they know, well, if they have one this weekend and I have one this weekend, unless I'm on this side of the country and you're on this side, like we're just going to screw each other. So, okay. You know, I don't like you, but look, have yours this weekend. I'll do my next, you know, whatever. So there would still have to be that little bit of mutual respect, but it could be, it could be done in Florida. Unfortunately, I think having access to the property would be the biggest hurdle and that is a big issue for us with everything growing up we're losing i mean there are places that you used to race and that i used to race yeah. that we don't touch anymore yeah i mean since i'll say central florida like where we live is screwed you go south you have a pretty decent area that's not touched and i think a lot of it in our lifetime won't be touched because it's not buildable yeah. or a state or government property, whatever you go up like where we've been in North Florida. I know it's a little bit of a drive, but, but we used to do that. Yeah. There's we still a lot of property up there. That's nice. Like you don't feel like you're in Florida. I remember one year we raced in Madison, which is at the top of Florida. And we raced at the Indian reservation in Miami Yeah, in Cypress stumps. Yeah. And that was part of the FTR series. Yeah. I think we've, I think my biggest thing, I think everybody's gotten spoiled because every race is in Central. I mean, you go to Palaka once. Yeah. And you go to Okeechobee or Indian Town. Yeah. The average drive is like two hours for everybody. Yeah. 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 And it's like, oh, we've all gotten spoiled. And we're getting 11 races a year and we don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. But we used to go to Chipley. Yeah. I mean, we go to Chipley, Madison. We went up to, we went to Palaka twice in one year. Mm-hmm. And that's a two and a half, three hour drive. And we go to South Florida and we go, and you're like, dang man. And now I get ticked off and it's like, oh, do I need to get a hotel room or can we make this yeah. in the morning? <laughs> and, and I think we've gotten a little bit spoiled off that because it is a true Florida series. Yeah. And I know land's hard, but like you said, there's land in South Florida because I drive down there a lot. And there's land up in North Florida because my daughter lives in Tallahassee and there's a lot of green space out yeah. there. Yeah. It's like, we've talked about several times there there's something missing because i can go to a landowner and say hey i want to bring my side by side out here or my jacked up four-wheeler or whatever and come out here and drink and show my ass oh yeah come on i want to come out here and do something responsible and pay you a bunch of money no like there's something missing and we might even clean up after ourselves when we leave like there there's something there's something missing, yeah. and I have no idea what that is, but yeah, you something's not right, yeah. and I don't know what that right part is. Yeah, and I don't know either, and I don't even know, and that's one of those research things that I don't even know. To I have friends who work in state government, upper ends, and I have friends involved in national racing car-wise. Yeah. And I don't even know what to ask them to start that conversation, like... I've talked to horse people, you know, you go on, you walk onto my horse barn and you get kicked. It's your fault. Yeah. 
I walk onto your property, sign my release, and I crash my motorcycle and I sue you. Hold on, time out. Like, yeah, I, I, what happened? Yeah, like what happened? Yeah, I mean, that not to touch this incident that much, but when that fifteen-year-old girl died, horseback riding, mm-hmm. competing, same thing my daughter does. Yeah, she was crushed, crushed, dead. There was a couple days of news, and then we moved on. Yeah, this. Poor little kid dies. Yeah. At a track that's been around for fifty plus years. Yeah. We're getting phone calls from news cameras. We're wanting to know what's wrong. There's attorneys looking to sue. Dude, it's dangerous. Yeah. There's kids that get hit with baseballs and soccer balls every day that have cardiac arrest. Yeah. You work those things. Yeah. We don't stop them playing. Why are we so opposed to this? We're watching right now. Little kids, four to six-year-old, compete at the national level, whatever your opinion. They're riding motorcycles. Something's going to happen. Yeah. Well, like last year when uh, (coughs) Jeremy uh, Shuttleworth was killed at Loretta's in that first turn crash. Like, a horrible deal, like just shitty incident, but, you know, it's still going on. Like... It, it happens. It happens. Yeah. It, it's it's terrible, but it's something that we're all willing to take that responsibility for, and I, I don't know why you want to shut it down. And it's the people that want to shut it down that don't know what it's about. Yeah. And they won't give you the opportunity to, because yeah. all they think about is these kids riding the dirt bikes through their yard. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we had to put up a fence so that people wouldn't come ride on our property. Yeah. Like, hey, guess what? Someone owns it. Oh, yeah. cool. Let's go ride on it. Yeah. And... I think that's where I wish FTR would take a lead. Yeah. Teach, educate, like educate. Yeah. Let, let, let other people handle the racing, educate and realize, Hey, there's a place, there's a place to do this stuff. Yeah. But is there anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? Mm. I have to thank your wife for letting you come out and do this. Oh, she don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. I don't have to listen to it. Um, actually, no, that they, she wanted to come and just sit like right there and stare at me the whole time. <laughs> she could have come. Just to see how I do. She, oh. Th- this is me being on here. This is a big deal. Okay. So I'm being, you did good. I'm being analyzed. You did good. Well, yeah, I can talk. But now we can put, now we can do a podcast while we're driving down the road. We can just. Yeah, but then if we get in a wreck, it just causes a whole nother thing. No, we don't look at it. We just, <laughs> well, you can look at it. Whoever's not driving can look at it. Um. No, not really. I mean, well, we, co- we covered your history. Yeah, we covered yeah. what FTR was, what it is now. We've talked about technical side, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. Is you've been such a mentor to me, and I know you and your dad give me shit, but and honestly, you guys have helped me be able to go. Like I wouldn't have even thought about doing the National Enduro Series next year, but because of the simplicity of the way you guys treat okay you need to do this yeah it's like oh well i i can yeah. i can do that oh, well okay. that's that's like we there's some things we do that we we just make it simple there's a lot of things that a lot of people do that overcomplicate things and actually screw things up like when he was on his husky 50s and even his pw all the issues that everybody else had we didn't have we did things a little bit different, 
And when you looked and talked to these other peewee dads or read anything online, they would look at you like you were out of your freaking mind. Guess what? It worked. Didn't have a problem. Didn't DNF races. We have one DNF on a 50, and that's because of dielectric grease expanding and pushing this. Like, that's a very odd, like, just random yeah. thing that happened. Like, who would have thought? <laughs> you know? By the way. The dude that said his brake caliper jumped out. Absolutely not. Physically impossible. Put that on the... Even Mike Mike and I were talking. He's like, dude, I got to ask you. And I'm like, not possible. No. Not, he, put not the, he put that in there. Wrong. Yeah. Okay. No. It is physically impossible. The only way that could happen is the rotor would have to break completely. Like, it would have to shear off. Like, like no. It's just... No. Okay. <laughs> there ain't no way that could happen. And if you don't know what we're talking about it, go find it. You, it's crazy. And it was but like, you know, I actually saw another one of those the other day, too. Same thing. No way. Yep. So I, there's more than one dumbass in the world. Hey, I suck at mechanical <laughs> stuff. Even I've gotten my brake pads put on properly. So I, I can do it. But I want to thank you for, for no. joining me. I know this was out of your, your comfort zone, but you and I talk all the time. And, uh, and I like it. Even though I don't always like your opinion, I like your opinions. Oh, you secretly like it. You just don't know. <laughs> you just don't want. You're like you're like a woman. You don't want to agree. It shows weakness. It shows dominance. Damn it! But uh, we did get to watch. We've watched all the little peewees ride. I think the day Loretta's is almost done. Micros, they're they're finishing up with micros, which I actually appreciate that because I know they've groomed the track a little bit before before they went. But they're riding at the end of the day. And uh, I appreciate that. Hey, by the way, Barrett, Barrett counts from Ocala, Florida, third place in the Micro Two Four to Six Limited. Congratulations, man! Way to bring home a uh, a medal. Now you got to do it two more times mm-hmm. so you can uh, bring home the big one. Yeah. But uh, this kid's pumped. He's like, oh, look, at, he got his hand on his. <laughs> He's pumped. But I, uh, what kind of gear is he wearing? Fast House? I don't know what that is. I can't really tell. He's got his bib on still. I was seeing what it was to see how expensive it is. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank Jason for joining me. Yeah. Um, yes, we had airboats. We had people with their race cars go by. We had dogs barking. We had, I think, a kid walk across at one point. I think that was Tra- uh, Michelle and Gunner. Yeah, we had a camera. We had a camera shuffle due to dogs playing with toys. Mm. But we made it through. And I want to thank you for episode 21. Cheers to everybody. We are now of the adult age. Derek will be back next week. I'm sure we're going to hear about their celebration. We're going to hear about wrap-up of Loretta. We'll cover all the kids that won awards at Loretta's from Florida. And if we have any updates on Rylan Munson, um, supposedly there's some big news coming out of HBI here soon. I don't know if they're getting different bikes, new engine packages. I'm not sure. But uh, they're having a blast with the Thai Master Pool sponsorship. That's, mm-hmm. That is uh, getting the local race team some well-deserved positive press. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jason, thank you. I'm Trey Heath. This has been sponsored by Michelle and Trey Real Estate. And even though Derek's not here, (laughs) DBS Custom Fabrication and Handyman Services. We will see you all next week. Bye-bye.